You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for Tauntauns and Twinks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey baby, what's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. But, but I was like, in my head, I'm like, I can totally Superboy Prime punch this so it makes sense, <laughs> you know? I have a headset, it looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. Grimlock, I told you to take care of things while I was gone. <laughs> we do a podcast? What the fuck? Greetings, true believers. This is Stan Lee welcoming you to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Just sit back and enjoy the show. And while you're at it, check out some of my creations in Marvel Comics. I created them all. Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk Man, Daredevil Man, and Batman. Uh, Mr. Lee, I don't think you created Batman. Silence! I created them all, and I won't hear word to the otherwise. Who sent you? Ditko? Kirby? No, Mr. Lee! No! That's enough said out of you, pal! Excelsior! Alright, folks, welcome back once again to the Fan Holes Podcast. Uh, we got a pretty good show for you this week. We do it like we do every week, throwing out some pretty cool pop culture uh, information your way, and hopefully injecting a little bit of humor in it. That's what we try to do, anyway. Uh, we've got a pretty good little grab bag of topics for you this uh, time around. We're going to be talking about our favorite TV shows, or maybe not. Depends on how people like it. We're going to be talking about Family Guy. Again, like a lot of topics on uh, Fan Holes, it's stuff you've heard of, but it's just our take on it. Everybody's probably at least seen Family Guy once, so you know what, we're, you know what we know what it's about. So no big uh, mind-blowing what on that one. We're also going to be talking about comics this week. Our favorite independent comic book title. <clears throat> now, there's always going to be at least a big two. That, of course, being Marvel and DC. But there's a lot of indie publishers who put out some really good stuff. So we're going to give them a little spotlight, um, let them let you guys know about them, and hopefully you might pick up something you haven't read before and may get into. Uh, we're going to go back to toys, and it's been a while since we've done uh, toys since probably like since G.I. Joe. Uh, we're going to go into the realm of Transformers again. Optimus Prime is a character who's been around for 25-plus years. I mean, he's been around for forever. And he's had a lot of toys made of him, a shit ton of toys. Uh, depending on your take on it, you can even throw in Optimus Primal as far as, you know, truck, not monkey, if you want to be stupid. But, yeah, he's a well-known character, and we're just going to talk about, for each of us, our personal favorite Optimus Prime toy, the one that is, it is Optimus Prime to us. And then to kind of wrap it up, we're going to get a little artsy-fartsy, a little schmancy-wancy, and talk about our favorite illustrator. Now, yeah, there's going to be probably some of us who pick comic book illustrators or maybe even cartoonists because it is art form. But also, we might surprise you. You might uh, get to hear our thoughts on some classically trained artists, uh, some guys you may not have thought you'd ever hear the fan holes uh, discuss about. So 
that'll be an interesting, fun topic. We also have our regular uh, topics we talk about every uh, show, like something awesome this week, but that'll be at the end of the show. To get everything uh, well and going on one of our ever-popular Franken shows, let's make sure everybody's here. Uh, who's all here tonight? Hey, what's up? This is Derek. Derek WC. Booyah. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. Giggity giggity. <laughs> hey, this is Justin Grimlock, and I'm the bee's knees. <laughs> they don't have knees. Um. <laughs> uh, Brian will not be here with us this week. He's got some uh, prior obligations, but hey, we're all totally cool with that. He let us know in advance, and we hope he's having fun tonight. He take care of his husbandly duties, and not nice. that. Get your mind out of the gutters. <laughs> Hey Tony, just an aside. Since uh, since I was uh, recently listening to the uh, the anime podcast, I just like to share a brief story with our listeners, and it relates to uh, your favorite anime of, of the era, which was uh, which was uh, you know Beyblade, uh, you know whatever it was called, like Metal Fusion. You know, <laughs> Metal Fusion, and you know how we were having the big discussion about like, dude, what what, what do you do with the top? Like, what goes on with the top? And so I was in Walmart today because I was I was getting some uh, some fancy feast for the kitty and uh, and and picking that up because uh, you know it's pretty cheap there and uh, and so I just you know I walk in the toy aisle sometimes like I do see hey, what's going on and you know I don't buy toys anymore but sometimes I just like to look and I'm like oh there's a there's a scarlet spider like that's kind of cool he's hanging upside down or whatever but as I walk past the aisle I see two frantically like you know enthusiastic it's like, buy me, buy me, mommy, mommy, I'm a mommy, mommy, mommy. And they want something, obviously. And when I look up, what, what, what do I behold but a whole bunch of tops that are titled Beyblade. So obviously, uh, you know, those tops are, are somehow, I don't know, I was just looking at it going, I guess those are popular. Because <laughs> they, they clearly want them, you know, like, so. Nice. It's, it's good to know that I can... Totally tap into the eight-year-old psyche. I, guess. <laughs> I don't even know if they were eight, man. Like they were, they were still in the car. Like it wasn't like they could they could walk that well without the cart. So. <laughs> they were four. <laughs> like I can use a top because it has better balance than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know me. I am a I am a man child in my own my own way. So, um, yes. <laughs> Now I feel even more immature than usual. Um, <laughs> at least I hated it. At least I made fun of it. But it was good fun. It was good cheese. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that is funny, though. I don't want anyone swimming in this pool unless there's a lifeguard on duty. <laughs> duty. <laughs> Diarrhea. Hey, Lois. What? Diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, I'm old, nice tea. Moving on to uh, the first topic, which is actually something that is kind of a man-child show. There's a lot of pop culture references just littered throughout the entire uh, series, each episode. Our first topic is going to be Family Guy. Um, just to give you some background, if there is somebody out there who, for some reason, has not seen the ever-popular mug of Peter Griffin somewhere on some kind of product. I mean, they literally are on, like, the new Simpsons. Um, it's a show by Seth MacFarlane. He created it a long time ago, actually, for, like, Cartoon Network. Uh, it was, like, Life with Larry or something like that. And it was the two characters. It was, like, Peter and Brian. They look vastly different. Incredibly different. They look nothing like they do on Family Guy. 
show didn't really get its legs on Cartoon Network. It was more kitty-oriented. It wasn't quite so adult. And it eventually moved to the Fox Network. It ran for three seasons. It did modestly well. And then it got shit-canned. And amazingly enough, it started airing on Adult Swim. And through DVD sales of the first three seasons, it did so well, it got a pretty much a groundswell of fan support. And lo and behold, they actually brought it back from the dead and started airing it again. I think it's on its 11th season now. I could be wrong. And, yeah, it's been going pretty strong. Now, there is, of course, some uh, Simpsons contention, whether the like, last couple of seasons have been all that good. But it is a very popular show, and a lot of people really do seem to enjoy it. Um, so we're going to kind of delve into the world of uh, Quahog, Rhode Island, which Mike should be at least proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fictional town. <laughs> There's no such thing as Quahog. <laughs> There's no such thing as Quahogs. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to get a little bit into that world and uh, talk about our favorite characters from Spoon Street. Um, I'm just going to start off with... I'm going to do it at random. It's been the way to go lately. Uh, Justin, what, what's some, some of your thoughts on the uh, Family Guy show? Well... Back when it was originally on, like, you know, before it got canceled, I guess, I like I thought it was a really great show. I always look forward to watching it. And then, you know, it started kind of running endlessly on Adult Swim. And, you know, I I would always watch the Family Guy Futurama, you know, reruns, even though if I'd seen them like a million times, you know, I guess I guess I was like Derek's friend who would always watch the Simpsons reruns. I would always watch the Family Guy and Futurama reruns. And then... I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if it was just because like I got older or what, but now I kind of look at Family Guy the way I look at like Kevin Smith movies. Like Kevin Smith movies are something I used to really enjoy and be really into, and I thought they were just the funniest thing ever. But now I don't know if it's because I'm older or what. I kind of look at those things. And I'm just like, um, you know what? Those aren't quite as funny as I thought. So I kind of feel like I, f- I kind of feel that way towards Family Guy now. Like I haven't watched it. In a long time, like I think the last thing I watched was the Return of the Jedi, you know, Star Wars special. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was actually pretty good, and I like that. But as far as like watching it week to week, or even just catching a random episode on Fox or Adult Swim, like I haven't really watched it much. So I, I guess I've kind of like fell out of you know love with Family Guy. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and also, I mean. Like I said, you know, there is that little Simpsons, you know, mentality that like, oh, it's gotten worse as the years go on. They're not original. But, I mean, sometimes it's true. There's definitely some episodes like originally, like I said, like the first three seasons, you know, they're pretty fresh. You know, they have some really good stuff. It seems like in later seasons, they've kind of really they've gotten really preachy in some episodes, which is kind of annoying. You know, it's like and also. I, I've always been a big fan of, like, if you write something, there should always be a character that you can identify with or you can at least like. And really, everybody in that family has slowly turned over the years into complete monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, at least, at least like Homer Simpson, he's like, he's stupid and he does some really bad stuff sometimes. But it's because he's stupid and when he realizes he's being stupid, he tries to fix it. 
Peter would like gun down an infant in an episode, and like Lois would be like, "Peter, you killed that kid." And he'd be like, eh, "It's okay, Lois. It was a kid." <laughs> you know, that's it. You know? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, some of that, some of that, like way, way, way over the top humor. Like, I, I don't really dig. Like some of the silly stuff where it's like, you know, they'll have like, um, they'll have like, you know, Peter proclaim his house like its own, you know, uh, country or whatever, like. Stuff like that's pretty funny, but then when they start yeah. going like all this like way, way, way over the top or like you know way, way, way too like political message like forcing it down your throat like some of that stuff I'm just like, um, what else is on? Like I think I want to watch some something on you know, uh, investigative discovery or something. You know, like I'll turn the channel. Yeah, and, and unlike South Park, which does do a little bit of preaching every once in a while, for some reason with South Park the the like. The way the guys write it from a kid's point of view, it doesn't seem as condescending or as preachy. It's like, oh, shit, if I was eight, I'd actually totally see through all this bullshit. That is kind of a good point, you know? <laughs> Whereas, like, you know, Family Guy is like, pot's illegal, and I'm a liberal, and you shouldn't do that, and you <laughs> should be a liberal, and wait, no, liberals are wrong, and I don't know what the fuck's going on in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, the easiest way for them to sucker me in is if they... You know, start making like all their pop culture references, like, you know, every like minute or so. Like, if they like cut to like, you know, some kind of Back to the Future reference, or you know, it's like this is the Speed Racer reference, or any kind of Star Trek reference, or whatever. Like, if they do some kind of joke like that, like, they can kind of sucker me in, and I'll give it my attention. But then, like, if they start doing like all kinds of like, like weird, like crazy over the top stuff, like I'll kind of like tune out. Yeah, and that's really their strength. They they they've kind of stopped doing the cutaway gags as much, and I'm like, that's what made the show funny, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that's that's the kind of cool thing we like. We like the references and stuff. Well, at least I did, and you seem to too. So I I don't understand why they're so adamant about doing like 30 minute long stories that probably will be boring or piss you off, you know? <laughs> so I kind of um, get your back on the reference. Thing. I mean, that's that's kind of how I keyed in on on Family Guy when I first noticed it because I remember I think when it was on. I don't think I ever watched it when it was on that first Fox run where it got canceled. But I remember, you know, seeing it on Adult Swim and stuff, and you know, it was like one of those things where you're kind of like, oh, hey, a Super Friends reference, like cool. And I guess that was probably back before. You know, things like Robot Chicken or, you know, even, you know, I don't know, whatever else you have today that, you know, you know even, you know, internet type, you know, celebrities and stuff like that where, you know, there were always constant kind of cutaway gags and references to, you know, to certain stuff like that. And yeah, it wasn't was, groundbreaking, but a lot of people weren't doing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there weren't, there wasn't like everybody was doing it or whatever. So it was like, I kind of, I kind of noticed that. Know, about the the show, you know, where you kind of like, oh, hey, look, it's, you know, you know, well, you know, whatever it was, like you're saying, whether it's Star Trek or Super Friends or, you know, hey, it's, you know, Batman or, or Mayor West or you know, th- things like that, you know, you just being a, you know, a fan of pop culture, like we are, where you know, nerd bait is probably the best way to describe it. It's kind of funny though because I guess in that sense though, I don't know how well it speaks to the the characters or the show's strength itself, because I, I think I would like to, you know, if there was, like, a YouTube video where it was, like, all the different gags from Family Guy for each season, like, I would watch that instead of the show. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, I, would, I would sit through that, and, you know, I don't need to hear about how Meg, you know, um, 
you know, wants to be popular at school, and then Peter goes undercover as the cool kid, and like, <laughs> like all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't know, it's weird like, to me, like where where I watch it, it's like I, I kind of like only really got into it. Like, I think the full episode that I actually sat through, like the whole way through. Like thing like what what uh, you know Justin was mentioning like where it's like oh Blue Harvest okay I'll check that out like I think I think uh, Family Guy and Shin Chan both owe George Lucas a debt of gratitude to get me as a viewer because it's kind of like even though you know I was kind of burnt out on you know the prequels and all that stuff it was like when when Shin Chan had a you know Star Wars you know, uh, a mockery episode, just like when Family Guy did, you know, it was like, that was something that enticed me to to watch their show, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll check this out, maybe it'll be funny, you know, and, and I guess with both of them, some things I thought were pretty funny, and some things I didn't understand, because I didn't know all the full cast of characters or whatever, and things like that, and even when you do know some of them, it's like, you know, the grandpa shit, like, creeps me out a little bit, you know. So they they, they, they kind of go a little far with the whole pedophile you know, thing. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. that, that kind of creeps me out. But like, you know, I think when I watched that first, I didn't really get it because <laughs> I didn't know what his deal was. But the more you watch it, so you're kind of like, Oh, that's, that's kind of creepy. Like, you know, or whatever, <laughs> like, like that kind of thing. But, um, um, I was going to say, uh, uh, Chan, Lucas. Oh, just, just, uh, that, 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 I kind of view it as like I don't know if popcorn is the best way to describe it, but it's like it's like a, it's almost like a meal you can start eating but walk away from and not care if you finish it. Like because sometimes like I'll I'll take lunch breaks and stuff, and sometimes like when I go in the lunchroom, like, some people turn on like the little TV just to watch on their break and stuff, and invariably sometimes like that's when Family Guy is on in syndication, and it's like. You know, sometimes you watch a show and you're like, I've got to see the end of this. You know, like, I've got to watch this 22 minutes because I need to know what happens. Or I've got to watch this 44 minutes. Like, Family Guy feels like it doesn't even matter. Like, I could start watching Family Guy in the middle of it to the end and not give a shit what happened in the beginning. Or I could watch it from the beginning and watch it to the middle to, like, the very last joke. And never watch the end of the episode and not care what happens to the characters. Yeah, so I don't, like, I don't like know. How Venture Brothers, I have to watch the whole show. Yeah, yeah, like Venture Brothers, I'd, I'd want to see the whole thing, you know. But Family Guy feels kind of disposable to me. I guess is the best word. It's like it's like it's entertainment, but it's very disposable. Like I don't really care too much about the characters. It's like it's like you know, Dance Monkey, make me laugh, or I'm gonna walk away. Family. Family Guy is the $2 hooker of animated comedies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things that really kills me on Family Guy sometimes, and I know all you guys have to hate this, or at least I hope you do, because it's a really bad thing they started doing. I really got tired of the whole, like, da-da-da-da-da, joke setup, da-da-da-da-da, joke setup, da-da-da-da-da, oh, someone looks silly, and now, folks, Conway 20 for fucking five minutes. Oh, I hate that, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't get the joke. I mean, if you played a little clip for like two seconds, you're like, oh, okay, that's funny. They cut to a musical guest. Ha ha ha, I get the joke. But they play the entire fucking song. <laughs> and you're just like, if I wanted to watch Conway Twitty, I have YouTube. I can watch his videos on YouTube, <laughs> you know? 
Or maybe I'm just being a little, I don't know, too anal about it. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of, like I said, to me it feels like disposable. It's like either you're interested in the musical artist or not. Do you know what I mean? But to me, if I was like you, that's the point at which I would not mind. If I was in a room watching it with people, at that point when that video came on, I wouldn't mind leaving the room and never finishing the episode. It'd be like, oh, the monkey danced and made me laugh for like 10 minutes, but now... Now it's over with. The monkey's not entertaining me anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like time, like what I'm saying. I'm gonna go watch, uh, you know, the, the History Channel or like some, you know, some some other thing. Yeah, it's time that. to flip. Yeah, yeah. Like, time to flip. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's one of the big problems that Family Guy's been having lately is like they tend to have a lot of dry moments between the comedy, and it used to be really rapid fire. Uh, like Justin said, the first three seasons were pretty much nonstop gags and you're like oh you know something always funny now they're just like storyline 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 oh meg's ugly you know <laughs> it just kind of i don't know kind of kills the flow for me so yeah I, I i i think we all kind of agree on that uh mike i haven't really heard your in-depth thoughts on uh family guy what, what do you think about it well i was gonna say that like you know, original when it first came out and like it first started catching on, like it, it was kind of originally like South Park, where it was like, you know, oh, this show's got like a bite that like The Simpsons hasn't had in a while. You know, it's got you know it's got an edge to it. You know, it it's a, a it's a lot more like you know blatant. Like it doesn't make you work so hard for a laugh. You know, and you know for a time that was kind of amusing, but you know, unlike South Park, it hasn't really aged gracefully at all. I mean, I think it jumped the shark when it came back from the dead so you know yeah like uh, like everyone i remember everyone was so eager for it to come back and when like that first season of it back and i was like nah, i was kind of <laughs> like i was like you're reusing jokes that like you used like five <laughs> years ago you know and you know I don't know. I I was just not amused, and like like um like Derek said, like when when like he'd watch like a YouTube video of like all the gags, like that makes it, it exactly that makes it very hard to pick like a favorite episode because it's like you think, oh yeah, the episode where there was that like gag with Optimus Prime in it, and it was like yeah, that's that was like a minute of a single episode, you know? Yeah, it's it was, like it was a bad episode, but a good gag, yeah. Exactly. It's like the, the what they call them in that South Park episode, the manatee jokes, you know, it's like a manatee takes like a, a, a one manatee takes a ball with a pop culture reference and another manatee takes a ball with a setting and rolls them together and they get a gag, you know, yeah. and, and it's like a, a total random ass gag. So I don't know, but it's not um, a very coherent watching experience. Yeah. I mean, I can still watch it, like, nowadays, but, you know, yeah, the, if I get one laugh out of it, I'm like, aha, that's pretty good. But, yeah, it's really on the low end of the totem pole nowadays, and, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's like, yeah, it's, like like Derek said, it's like popcorn, or, or it's like just, like, empty calories, basically, that you can, like, take or leave, kind of. I don't know, like, I, um, I, know, I, use... I I know a lot of the guys, and I agree with them, I actually didn't uh, say this, but, uh. We all seem to like the Star Wars episodes. Did you enjoy those? Actually, I was going to say, like, I liked the first one, but I thought they got progressively worse until, like, the very last one where it starts off with them on the couch and they're like, oh, yeah, we have to do another one of these. It seems like it seems yeah. like they even gave up almost because <laughs> yeah. I don't remember laughing. Like, the only thing I laughed at in the, in the Return of the Jedi one 
was like a like obvious observation that like anyone everyone has made at this point which is when like the Ewoks are like kicking the stormtroopers' asses and the stormtroopers are like why do we even wear this armor it's totally useless and, yeah. but like and that, that was like the only thing that really made me laugh in that whole like hour long special so i was kind of like eh. but i, I, I kind of like the one where like Brian's in the little ad at walker and he's like Check it out! This thing is awesome. Gadoosh, but <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, that was okay, I guess. But you know, it wasn't like even if I laughed at other things, it was just kind of like a <laughs> like chuckle and like yeah. not a legitimate laugh. And I, I was gonna say like like you said like all the characters like they they sort of evolved into a place where they're all totally like unlikable and stuff. Like I I used to like Brian because Brian seemed to be like the voice of reason, but then they just kind of like evolved him into some like like liberal douchebag sellout or something, you know. And now yeah. he's just like he's totally annoying, and you want to see him fail. And, like, I used to like Stewie when he was, like, evil and stuff. And, like, you know, he'd try to kill Lois all the time. But they kind of, like, yeah, now we, they just focus on making, like, gay jokes with him and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, like, I, I remember, like, one – I think it was, like, two seasons ago. There was, like, one episode where Brian, like, found his son. And, like, one of the kind of funny things is they always kind of play with Stewie's sexuality. Like, oh, is he gay or is he straight or is he gay or is he straight? And it's like, okay, that's kind of funny, I guess. But for the entire episode, he's just, like, hardcore hitting on Brian's son. And it was just not funny. He was just like, you know, I mean, there's like, you know, oh, I might be gay. What do you think about that? He was like, no, he was like, I will suck your son's dick. And it's like, oh, I feel a little weird because that's a baby hitting on a teenager, you know? Yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I liked Stewie better when he was just evil and he was just, you know, Machiavellian and, you know, I don't know. But the one thing, the nice thing I will say is I think Adam West is awesome on that show, and I laugh almost every time Adam <laughs> West shows up. So you know. Adam West, <laughs> like when he gets punched in the nose and he starts bleeding, and he like looks at the blood, and he's like, "My God, I'm a tomato." <laughs> <laughs> or, or my my probably my all time favorite Adam West moment in that show is when like Meg goes in to interview him, and he, like he's like out of nowhere, he's just like. Well, you can't interview a dead man, and he just runs and jumps out the window. <laughs> I, I was, I've always been—it's a very popular one, but I'm always—I was always fond of like the light bright one where he's like, "That'll teach them to mess with Adam Wee." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, oh yeah. He's like, the, the, my light bright is missing pieces. My name isn't Adam Wee, <laughs> or is it? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Adam West does a really good job on that. I will, yeah, I'll totally give him credit. I would watch an entire episode with him um some of his episodes have been the funniest ones actually uh I, w I was going to throw a quick shout out we may do this series later on i'm not sure how you guys feel about it but i will give family guard credit for one thing i really like american dad if it weren't for family guy american dad wouldn't exist and i i think american dad is 10 times better than family guy now uh, I've, I've never seen american dad somebody could give me that as a, as a fan or something by this point or if we do talk about on the podcast i would have to do some some research yeah i kind of i kind of i kind of refused to watch it because i was just like okay forget it like i i wasn't i i i do hear like what you're saying like and i, I a lot of people say that they're like oh man american dad's like so much better than family guy now but like i'm just like well that's great but i'm not gonna watch it just because it 
You know, it just feels like a Family Guy, you know, ripoff almost. Yeah. yeah I've only that. seen like maybe two or three episodes, and I was just like, eh, this is okay, but, you know, I'm going to go back to Discovery Channel or whatever I was watching to begin <laughs> with. I will I will say the one thing that one episode I watched in 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 a similar vein to Adam West I love that Patrick Stewart is his boss <laughs> yeah. and like like when he he like tells him to run through the ops the, like the one episode I watched the thing that made me laugh was a Patrick Stewart when he goes uh like he he makes Stan run through some obstacle course and he's like uh you must run through this obstacle course you know you must climb over a net <laughs> swim through a pool and then most deadly of all climb over another net <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> but yeah uh as far as family, uh, american dad the only reason I, I like it is is kind of the opposite of what i said earlier about family guy the characters hopefully it won't happen i hope it doesn't but they still have like humanity to them like stan still feels bad if he does something wrong and he tries to fix it steve's a dork and he doesn't want to be a dork but he actually tries to be popular and he feel bad for his struggle and stuff the characters are a little bit more fleshed out. They're not just like, you know, hey, Brian, do something totally out of character so this show will work, you know? So that that's one reason why I like American Dad. But uh, Family Guy, if you guys could tell from, like, everybody, we kind of like the earlier episodes. It's not a bad show. I mean, it doesn't have that Simpsons quality of where even a bad show is a good show compared to other series. It just has that quality of... I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. There is worse out there, but that's not exactly a good thing. It's good for a cheap laugh. Yeah, exactly. If if, if you if, like, like uh, I think the popcorn analogy that Derek gave was pretty much very appropriate. If you see it on, well, I, you think, get a... I think I think it's a very uh, how should I put it? I think it's a very network head friendly show. You know, there's not uh, a big giant continuity to follow you know you, nobody jumps into you know the middle of angel season four and it's like what huh like, what's going on and it's like you can you can watch that show anytime any episode and you pretty much don't need to know stuff and they probably like the randomness of it because it's even less that you need to know about because it's like oh that's just the way it always is it's always random you yeah know, yeah like, we, we don't have to explain anything. You can just watch it any old time, you know. So. Yeah, you don't need like a Family Guy primer to tune into an episode. Yeah, that. yeah you don't. You don't need the little chart, and you don't need to, uh, you know, you know, uh, have been following the show from the very beginning or anything. You can just tune in any time, any place, any season, and you know, kind of not be, you know, quote unquote. Awesome, you know? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would say. I guess to sum it up, it's average. It's a show. It's not bad. It's not horrible. It's just definitely not as good as it was. It it, it lost a little bit of its luster. And unlike Simpsons, there's actually key points you can actually make that you can actually see it. Unlike Simpsons where it's like, oh, it's just not funny anymore, which is such a horrible argument. Um, <laughs> it's not funny. Eh, I, I disagree. But, um, but yeah, that's Family Guy in a nutshell. So, yeah, it, it's still on Fox, still on every Sunday. So if you want to check it out, go ahead. And if not, it's on like every other fucking cable channel in the universe at least twice a day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like it's, it's in syndication city. So, yeah. Yeah, you you'll you'll be hard pressed not to see it at some point. So, um, yes, but yeah, that 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 was Family Guy. Man has an idea. The idea attracts others, like-minded. 
The idea expands. The idea becomes an institution. What was the idea? Uh, we're going to move on to something that's probably going to be a lot more positive because, well, it's something we picked our favorites on. Uh, comic book companies, like I said, there are the big two. They're the guys who put out, like, you know, hundreds of titles every month. And I'm sure everybody has their favorite characters. I know I do. And, you know, they're they're widely known. Marvel and DC, obviously. Um, in the past, there was, like, you know, Image or Dark Horse, you know, who are, like, number three and trying to catch up. But there's a lot of comic companies out there that put out maybe one, maybe two titles, maybe four at the most. And these are your indie comic companies. They're just some guys who like making comics. And these comics range anywhere from your standard superhero stuff to really esoteric stuff like, you know, two people living together in a house, you know, just trying to get by. And they have, like, you know, personality glitches to horror to any kind of stuff. You know, indie comics do not really have a set frame as far as what the uh, actual title is about. You can find anything in indie comic. And that's why a lot of people really dig them. It's not your standard superhero fare. So that's what we're going to get into right now, our favorite indie comics. Um, I already started with our good friend Justin, so let's just kind of move the truck along. And I'm going to start with uh, Derek. What is, what is your one of your favorite indie comics? Or if you have some honorable mentions, I understand. <laughs> Actually, I just kind of I kind of stuck to one. I mean, if you ask me, I can probably rattle off some more. But uh, uh, one of my favorite independent comic book titles is uh, Stephen Bissett's Tyrant. And if you guys happen to like what I describe about the, the particular comic series, your warning, it's an unfinished work. So, so it's, if you start reading it and you dig it, like, it's unfinished. Like, I really, really dig it because um, I like dinosaurs a lot. And the basic premise of it is um, Stephen Bissett's the artist who worked with Alan Moore on his Something run, and uh, so he's got you know he's a really great artist, and uh, he wanted to tell the story of um, you know a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but you know I know some people complain about you know sometimes they watch shows and they don't they don't get the origin story that they want at the beginning of the first episode or whatever, but in this case uh, Tyrant, it's the entire life cycle of. Tyrannosaurus Rex. So actually, like the whole issue, uh, you know, I know sometimes we joke like, "What do you want to do for the origin? Like, go, go to the, you know, the character in Wound." But actually, uh, issue number three is uh, the lead character, you know, Tyrant, uh, in his mother's womb, and and the majority <laughs> of it is him stating, and you know, he, he did a lot of research and and talked to you know paleo biologists and, and things or paleontologists. Sorry, I'm just making up words and shit. <laughs> I was about to say it doesn't it doesn't get more more origin than like before you were born. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, I mean, you know. First two issues detail his mother, you know, she lays the eggs and everything and what goes on and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is unfinished, unfortunately. There were only four issues because uh, the title was self-published. So, um, basically, I, I know Stephen Bissett worked, you know, with DC Comics and stuff like that in the past because he did Swamp Thing. But um, I guess, uh, from my understanding, he, he made the, the most money he had to finance the self-publishing of Tyrant when he worked for Image Comics. And they did, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that miniseries, but it's called uh, 1963. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like like the takeoffs of like Fantastic Four and Thor and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they you know, so they had all those different kind of characters and stuff. And so I guess I guess uh, you know a, a sizable amount of money from from doing that with the image. You know, I guess more than he you know made you know working with uh, you know DC or, or anybody else. And so I guess based on that, you know, and, and you know, the beginning of the nineties, there was a big publishing boom. And there were like all kinds of different comic books so it was a pretty good marketplace for him and so he started this all publishing thing like i said there were four issues but i guess you know after the boom kind of died off and everything like i he just couldn't afford to continue you know self-publishing the title and stuff there's always the chance one day he might you know go back to it and finish it but you know it's fair warning that uh, the story is, is incomplete but uh he's, he's a really wonderful artist and and the writing that he did on the the book, um, it's great research. I mean, you know, to me, like Tyrannosaurus Rex is kind of, you know, kind of the Superman of, uh, you know, <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, it's a good, I mean, my favorite dinosaur is the Triceratops, but, you know, it's like, it, it's kind of a cool idea. I think, I think he was kind of inspired a lot by Dave Sim and Cerebus, just the way, you know, I, I think he foresaw himself trying to do something like that you know how Sarah was kind of you know just started that you know one issue and ran for like until Dave Simpson writing it when it's like 300 you know some issue the project he worked on his whole life um I guess you know Steven said you know didn't get that far obviously but I you know I still think cool idea to you know just follow the life cycle of a of a dinosaur and it's not um you know you know it's not one of those things where it's like a a studio or a network type thing or a comic editor thing where it's like, we got to have the dinosaur hip. He's got to talk and have a catchphrase and <laughs> have like pouches and guns and ammo. And we need to, we need to add human characters to this. Like, you know, Mike Bay or whoever, you know, we need to add humans. Cause a hot really cave deep, woman, babe. You know? So I, I just kind of appreciate that. It's, you know, it's the life cycle of a fucking dinosaur. Like there's no, you know, obviously narration and stuff. You know, in, in English language, but when when the, the you know the, the the most it comes to having dialogue is when when uh, you know tyrant when the you know the the, the baby you know hatches and then when his head kind of pops out. One of the first things he said to his, his mom is, "You see the word, you know, it's, it's G R Y," and you're like, "Right," and you're like, "What's that?" And then it's like. Basically, it's like H N N G. You know, basically, he's saying he's hungry. You know, but it's like that's the closest it comes to like them having you know dialogue. But mostly, it's all you know, it's all the acting through the man's pencils. You know, the look on the you know the expression on the mother's face and the growls and roars and you know kind of the way the eyes of the other dinosaurs look. You know, that they have like the, the little egg suckers that are trying to you know, basically steal away the mother's eggs so they can eat them and stuff like that. And so, I, you know, it's just, I, I think it's an awesome, you know, I mean, it's kind of rare for me, I guess, because it is a black and white book because it's self-published and independent. So I, I know normally I say I, I really enjoy color books and it, I'm hard-pressed to read a, a black and white title, but I, I really enjoy this. And I, I think what sold me was when, you know, I bought this when I was, uh, I don't know, it came out in like 19... I want to say like 1995 or something like that. I was going to say, I think but, I remember reading like in Wizard, like, yeah, it's a mid 90s book. Yeah, it's in the mid 90s and stuff like that. And, uh, and, you know, you know, what sold me was I had always loved, you know, Alan Moore and, 
you know, his flying around and everything. And Stephen Bissett was the first, you know, first artist run and everything. And so I thought that was, you know, that is, none is one of my favorite comic books, you know. And so then I went, oh, you mean the guy who did the art on Swamp Thing is going to do a, a book about dinosaurs? And of course, I love dinosaurs when I was a kid. And I was just really fascinated by the idea because I kind of, you know, I kind of dig stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Quest for Fire, but it's like... It's an I, older, I have, but it's, it's been a while. It's an older movie in the 80s and kind of follows a bunch of different you know, prehistoric men. And, you know, basically the whole movie is, you know, about them you know, looking for fire, you know, and kind of, you know, saving their tribe and that kind of thing. And I'm, so, I'm not like a deviant, but I remember there's a rape scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's not it, it's not a um, you know it's not like a, a you know unapologetic movie or whatever. You know, it's like it's like they they have you know basically I, I, from what I remember like these three guys go on a quest to start you know looking for fire and they kind of kidnap this one girl who ends up becoming part of their tribe and you know basically all this stuff happens. But it's it's very akin to that where there's really no dialogue. It's not even like, you know, uh, you know, like a Mel Gibson flick, you know, where they're all speaking in ancient tongues and you've got subtitles. It's just, you know, visually, uh, visual told story, you know, and, and, and I kind of like that idea of that being, you know, in, in terms of dinosaur, because it's like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a dinosaur movie like that. Oh, and so, like, just the idea of being able to even just read something like that, where it's just, oh, we're going to do the story about an actual, because you know, most times you see that stuff on, like, a <laughs> channel, and some dude's narrating, you know, it's like, the dinosaur goes into the back and, you know, eats the, the herbivore, eats the leaves while a carnivore is about to bounce. You know, and you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, I get it, but it's kind of nice just to... They, they make they make the dinosaur a character without making him a character, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like they're just chronicling him or telling it from a historical point of view. It's like he, he's very accurate, but it's an actual, you know, you're telling somebody's life story, you know. So I found that very, you know, it was enticing and interesting. And, you know, if uh, if you, you know, uh, you know, you know, look it up. I, I don't think it's published in any kind of trade or anything like that. So, you, you know, you'd have to track down the actual back issues or whatever. And uh, I was just reading up on it, you know, uh, before I, I started the, the show. And, stuff. Uh, you know, there there are some interviews with him where, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's been teased with the idea of maybe trying to, you know, uh, finish off the work. But I think, I guess that all depends on, you know, the man himself, because I see sort of got out of comics, you know, in the late, the, you know, late nineties or whatever. And, uh, you know, has not really returned to the industry. I think he actually teaches the comic schools or whatever. And he's like a comic historian and stuff like that now, but you know, it's like if he ever did finish it, that would be something that I would totally check out. And, um, you know, I think it's a great book. So that's, that's my thing. Uh, Stephen Bissett's tyrant. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Um, that, that, that pretty much hits the nail on the head of what I was talking about earlier. Like indie comics are not just guys in capes. I mean, they can be all kinds of things. Um, I want to go ahead and, uh, share some of mine. I actually do have some honorable mentions. I know, I know, I know. Um, the first title is the one I want to uh, focus on though. Mainly it did get picked up by image later on, but originally it was a creator owned title. It was an indie comic. Um, it is strangers in paradise, which is, a uh, comment that was turned on to me by uh, 
someone I was dating at the time. And it's a really good book. Uh, it basically tells the story of a girl named Kachu. Uh, that's not her real name. Her last name is uh, uh, Kachunski or something like that. I can never say her name right. <laughs> it's, it's a very <laughs> Polish-sounding name. And it has a lot of uh, consonants. But uh, it's about this girl named Kachu. And she has a really weird life. She... It's such a long story. It's a very long story, and it's about her relationship with her best friend and uh, her best friend's friend scene. And they have kind of like, yeah, there's a little bit of a lesbian undertone to it, but she also loves her as a person. And she also dates a man during His name is David. He's uh, He has ties to the to a underworld uh, mob family and stuff like that. But it's got a lot of good humor. <clears throat> it's got like a really good, strong story. And it's just, I mean, it's one of those books that when you start reading, especially if you're a guy, it seems like such a girl's book, you know, but you read one issue and you get hooked because the storytelling is really well done. The humor is spot on. I mean, the the, the comedy is, is really well done. It's like nice, subtle humor. There's a little bit of slapstick here and there with like how uh, Francine acts and stuff like that. But there's also some nice, you know, tender moments. It's like a real slice of life kind of story, just with some outrageous plot twists and some outrageous, you know, uh, characters and whatnot. I haven't read as much as I want. I've read a lot of it, but it's a huge series. I, God, I can't even remember how many long, how many uh, issues it has. It recently ended. Uh, well, not recently. It's been about maybe five or six years. But it re- it ended and it told a full story. It went through everything, and people to this day still pine for it. Uh, I think probably the the highest respect I can give to it is the fact that it was one of those books that when you read it, you actually begin to root for the characters, if that makes sense, I guess. And you actually want them to, you know, succeed and, you know, move on with their lives and, like, get through these troubles and, you know, all these uh, hurdles that they have to go through and whatnot. And it's, it's just a really good, strong book. So I would definitely uh, check out Strangers of Paradise. It does have a lot of trade paperbacks and even like kind of quote unquote phone books or, uh, you know, uh, trying to think, essential collections, you know, if you will. I just and, looked it up for you real quick. Uh, it's it's a it, it appears that it's a 90 issue run. And, yeah, uh, and that's a lot for indie comic. You know? <laughs> well, but that, that's great. Um, I think it's uh, it's like there's uh, paperback collections. There's about 19 of them, or, or I guess maybe these hard down collections. There's about 10 of them. So maybe that, you know, if you did hard bound, it's probably more more issues than the, the regular you know paperback trade, or whatever. Yeah, and it was like, uh, and for most of its run, it was like I think bi monthly. So that's what made the, the run seem longer too. Um, by the way, just to let you know, the guy who uh, wrote and draw, uh, drew it was uh, Terry Moore, and he actually went on to do some, you know, quote-unquote legitimate comics work later on. Um, he's a really good artist. He has a he has his, his style reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Dematis, how he does really good facial expressions and stuff like that. I, I really enjoyed how his uh, characters' faces look. So yeah, definitely check out Strangers of Paradise. Uh, my two other ones are honorable mentions. I won't go into them because you should know them pretty well. Um, the Crow, which was by uh, J.O. Barr, and it's just it's just a really good book. It, it started out as an indie book. Yeah, it got really popular. Yeah, it moved on to become a more 
you know, set, you know, franchise with a movie and whatnot. But it was originally an indie comic, and I, I really liked it. I think it was done by Kitchen Sink Press originally. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's, it's, it is a good book. <laughs> I do, I'll, 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 uh, I'll back you up on the crow. I was kind of trying to shy away from, uh, from any uh, movie books for this, but um, you know, or books that yeah. came when I did movies. But I, yeah, I definitely, um, I've always dug that uh, that story. It's very, it's very personal, you know, and very kind of gritty and. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it, it just seems like like he went through a real sort of cathartic catharsis, for lack of a better term, when he when he put pen paper with that, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, I can totally respect that. Yeah, and if you've seen the movie, folks, yeah, it it it, it does bear a lot of resemblance as far as style and stuff. But the the comic is so much grittier and just it, it's a lot more unapologetic. The bad guys in it are really bad. They're they're complete just fucking scum. So yeah, it, it's 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 kind of nice to see Eric Draven take their fucking heads off. Um, in <laughs> uh, the second honorable mention, even though I mentioned it before, that's why I won't go into it again. Uh, I mentioned Madman before is one of one of my favorite trade paperbacks. Uh, Madman was originally indie comic too, really good stuff. Uh, I've already mentioned it, so I won't go into it. But yeah, pick up Madman if you get a chance to. Really good stuff. Yeah, um, Madman's pretty awesome too. Yeah, yeah, love me. It'd be cool. I, I keep hoping because they keep talking about you know Robert Rodriguez wanted to make a movie of Madman, and I was like that'd be fucking cool. But <laughs> I, know, right? I don't know that it would ever happen. But you know, if it did, I would. I would be all for that. That would be something fun to see. Yeah, I, I would be there with bells on. And yeah, it is a little bit more superhero-y, but it, it's also got some 50s sci-fi comic kind of stuff in it, too. So, so you know, don't just assume it's a guy in a, a costume. Um, I will go ahead and move along. I have had three comics to talk about, so I don't want to take up too much time. Uh, I want to keep going in the circle of love. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I call the Skype thing. Leave me alone. It's nothing... nothing you <laughs> there's no going back tony <laughs> oh okay the circle of hate how about that is that better um <laughs> i will move on to uh our good friend uh mike i know he probably has some pretty interesting picks too being the uh comic lover he is well, not really, but you thank bastard! You. <laughs> thank you, thank you for having confidence in me. It's no, gone uh, now. <laughs> well, as you know, as you know, I'm pretty rigid with my likes and stuff. So, I mean, uh, I've I've stuck with Marvel or DC mostly for my entire life, and uh, what do you call? And the only and the the choice I'm going to make is also a superhero comic that we've discussed before, but I would say like Invincible kind of wins by default because it's like the only like independent comic I've ever read at any kind of length really. Um, I, we we had a topic on Invincible many many podcasts ago, and you know I I think I pretty much said what I wanted to say about it there. I enjoyed it a great deal. It, it's a great like superhero book. Um, ironically, I don't follow it issue to issue by like anymore, but I'm gonna pick up like it by trades when it finally catches up to me or whatever. It's um, on your list, you know, it's on your pull list. So. It's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have, you, have, you I, have you ever considered? Like following any of Kirkman's other, like, actually, yeah, I, I was gonna mention uh, a honorable mention, Astonishing Wolfman, 
which is a great book he's written. Um, it only it, it's only twenty five issues and four like so it's available in like conveniently four trades. So that's a cool like quick series you can like digest really fast. But uh, I really like Astonishing Wolfman. It's got like all of Kirkman's you know like uh, pretty much his trademarks like extreme violence, like sudden extreme violence. You know like I think Derek you said where you're like you know you're turning the page and you're like holy shit where the hell yeah. did that come from? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great, like, superhero, like, horror book, almost. Well, not even horror. It's, it's kind of like an anti-horror wolf man, almost. Like, he's, like, a super heroic wolf guy, so, you know, it's, it's like... thriller, kind of. Exactly. I think I've mentioned this before, but I, since we're talking about Kirkman, I just thought I'd throw it out there again, but I, I enjoyed reading, um, Aunt, which was his book that he teamed up in his book. They teamed up with Tom McFarlane on, um, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of Spanish. I'm kind of I'm kind of scared because I haven't read uh, Marvel's Venom yet, but um, I'm kind of guessing maybe they be similar. You know, the new Flash Thompson Venom, but uh, but I don't know. But but um, I did enjoy reading Haunt too, so that's something that you yeah. you you may like. Um, it might I was going to say to grim and gritty type stuff, but that's kind of where it is. Yeah. Yeah, that that did sound like something I might enjoy, and I might check out eventually. But yeah, I was gonna say it's like I guess Invincible kind of wins by default. But you know, Astonishing Wolfman is up there for me too. And you know, I guess I could kind of cheat and like pick a like licensed comic. Like you know, I could technically like they're technically independent comics, like GI Joe or Transformers or anything licensed. <sighs> Like something. I mean, it is a smaller company. They are considered independents. Yeah, anything that's like licensed by some other company, I could say like Street Fighter by like Udon or whatever. But yeah. you know, I, I won't, I won't, I won't cheat. <laughs> like how, how scary is it that Star Wars is an independent comic? Yeah, <laughs> those, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I like those, those Street Fighter comics are good though. Yeah, I love the 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 what I mean, do you call it? As long as it's not the one from Malibu, they're all. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. My friend Ken and Ryu, who taught me how to read. <laughs> that was a yeah really bad comic but no the the udon ones are great yeah, yeah. They're, the, the udon ones were kind of like when those were coming out i think it was like 2003 those first started coming out and those were like you know like when dreamwave was releasing their transformer comics and i'm like why can't these dreamwave comics be more like you know these street fighter comics where it's like you know they kind of take everything like that was good from all incarnations of street fighter and meld it into a good like comic well, I think, I think it's great that I love uh, you know the Japanese creator you know creators or guys who work on Street Fighter like will kind of love that so much. It's almost like they kind of consider that canon in a way, you know. They're like yeah. this is good, you know, like, like that kind of a big comp. It's funny they're not like they they're they're not really focusing on comics anymore because Capcom hired all of them pretty much and like <laughs> yeah. they do, they do we all got real like, jobs bitches <laughs> yeah they they do like all the concept art and like you know sometimes draw the cutscenes and like you know character models and stuff for all their games now so that's pretty awesome but but you know I mean I honestly that that speaks highly for the comics that they that they were that good yeah so. I double dipped for those comics. Like I bought the singles and then I bought the trades. So that that always speaks well for a comic. So true that, true that. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, just because you uh, aren't a big indie fan doesn't mean there's any hate for the few indie titles you do like. And 
A lot of people do like Invincible. Uh, I'll ask you one question. I know you've said it before, but I just want to kind of reiterate. Uh, despite your Kirkman love, I, th- I think you said you weren't really a big fan of Walking Dead, really, or you just didn't get into it. Uh, I, I could see, like, it's compelling, and, you know, I, I don't know, like, I'm, I guess I'm a big wuss or something, because, like, I don't think I could be exposed to, like, that much, like, gore on a regular basis, I guess, I don't know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm totally, like, as with, like, I think, like, any child, like, nowadays, I'm totally desensitized to violence, <laughs> however... You know, I sometimes I like comics that I can sit down and like eat something and read. You know, so like, and I don't want to be like, oh, you know, while I'm eating. Why do I have to eat spaghetti tonight? (laughs) Exactly, and you know, zombies have always been like at the top of my list of like stuff that's gross. So you know, I don't know. I don't think I could follow it. Like you know. Like regularly, yeah. And and the other thing is, I think I mentioned when we talk about when we talked about Walking Dead before, it's really bleak. Like it's really depressing. It seems like. Yeah, when I said like your friend said like you know he wants to kill himself after reading. He's he's always like I always need a drink after I read like the latest trade of Walking (laughs) Dead. That's fun. I I go in like I think I think Mike has kind of been doing it this way too. I'm sure he'll he'll correct me if I'm mistaken, but uh, I've I've only now I've, I've. I think the last time we talked about Walking Dead, I had only read the first trade, but now I've actually read, you know, the second trade. So I'm kind of trying to, you know, I try to read like the trade, you know, right before I watch the next season, you know, because I kind of think like I'll read a trade and then I'll watch a season and I'll read a trade and I'll watch a season. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, trying to stay ahead a little bit of the storyline, see what's coming up, yeah. <clears throat> that's cool um yeah I, I i personally cannot suggest walking dead because i actually haven't read that much of it i think i read maybe the first issue in a trade paperback in a bookstore so yeah there you go um <laughs> but uh moving on on the indie love for uh the comics that don't get enough attention we end our stop at mr justin what is a indie comic that you think people should check out if if at the very least um, I really enjoy Lock and Key from uh, IDW. Like, that's one of those, you know, I don't know. I, like, in my head, I'd see those covers and be like, "Let's, this is really weird looking. Like, what is this all about? And so I finally, like, picked up a few issues. I think I picked up, like, the first miniseries just, like, you know, just randomly. I bought it blind, not knowing anything about it. And I really enjoyed it. And basically, it's about this family. And, like, the father gets killed. And so, like, the three kids have to go live with their uncle. Um, I think the place is called, like, uh, Lovecraft. Um, so that gives you a clue right there. Like, it's yeah, going to be not spooky. ominous at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Lovecraft is going to be, like, you know, Disneyland or anything for them. But basically, they go and they live in the spooky house, and they find all these, like, different keys. And, like, each key lets them activate a certain ability. Like, there's a key that can, um, like... They can stick it in the back of their neck, open their brain like a cartoon, like the top of their head. They can just pull out like memories and things. And there's a key where they can, you know, they can change their sex. Like if they're a male, they can become a female. There's a key that can can make you turn into a giant or turn really small or turn into an animal. So there's all kinds of things like that. But there's there's this backstory where like they they kind of slowly figure out that um, their father had like this group of friends when he was growing up and they also played with these keys and this guy that was in their group 
was you know up to some you know spooky shenanigans and he gets like trapped in a well so like the youngest of these the youngest kid from the family like ends up releasing that guy and he ends up like joining the current group you know like the son and the daughter another guy the other kid and he he's kind of like manipulating them like he kind of like becomes the daughter's girlfriend and it gets kind of weird and creepy and all this stuff but it, it's really good it's really interesting and i think there's like five different miniseries yeah there's five different miniseries and each one has six issues so like the last one hasn't finished yet i don't think but uh like i've been following it and it's really good like they they try to turn it into a tv show like they sold a well they made a pilot yeah i saw the trailer on uh, youtube yeah yeah they made a pilot for fox but it didn't get picked up we were talking about maybe MTV. You pick up that pilot and show it on MTV. Thing I I heard about it, but I haven't heard anything since then. So, and yeah, the, I I don't think it's been leaked like uh, like the Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. So. Yeah, like the the trailer for the TV series made it look kind of interesting, but they they threw some things in there. I'm like I. I don't know, like, I would watch it, but then I'm, like, kind of, like, I, you know, it's one of those things where you like, you know, you really like it, and you're just, like, I don't really want them to tinker with it at all, but, you know, I, I would have watched it, but, yeah, like, Lock and yeah, Key, like. They kind of, like, Birds of Prey it, where, like, Batman and Catwoman are dead, and, like, their daughter's going on and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if, you know, I would recommend this if you like kind of, like, spooky, weird stuff, like, you know, I guess if you, like. If you grew up reading a lot of Goosebumps books, or like if you would enjoy like Stephen King stuff as an adult, like I would recommend this to you. Cool, cool. Um, do you have any any honorable mentions, or are you just gonna stay with that one this week? Um, I guess the only one I would like to mention would be Hammer of the Gods, um, by Michael Oming, and hmm. he like what I know him from is he did like the um. Avengers disassembled Thor arc where it's basically Ragnarok and you know Thor this is where Thor dies you know before Straczynski brings him back but um Hammer of the Gods also deals with like you know uh, mythology like Viking mythology and Norse mythology and stuff like that but like real mythology not like Marvel mythology yeah it's basically about this the story about this you know Viking named Modi and he ends up hooking up with like this uh I think she's like a former former Valkyrie. Like I haven't read it in a long time. Like I've got the first trade, but I've not read it in a long time. But he ends up hooking up with her, and like she's supposed to be like kind of like disfigured or like not so beautiful. And there's like kind of kind of a love story between them, but they end up like fighting fighting all these gods and monsters. You know, Modi's like he believes in them, but then he ends up like coming into conflict with Thor eventually, and it's just really good. Like I, I've always enjoyed mythology stuff, so I really like this series. Cool, cool. Um, as you can tell, folks, um, I said it probably a hundred times already, but indie comics have they run the gamut. You get your horror, you get your real slices of life, you get you know the history of like you know, well not the history, but like almost a biography of a dinosaur. You get you know creepy houses with keys that give you superpowers. That's why people like indie comics. It's not just the same stuff over and over again. And even if it is something that is similar, like superheroes. It can be done in a different new way that has a little bit of a fresh take. So, yeah, definitely check out your indie comics. I'm sure our uh, good friend Derek will definitely put some stuff up on the spinner for our Amazon spinner to check them out. <laughs> Which ones that are available on trade paperback, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you see an indie comic, don't be scared. It could be some really good stuff. So, 
all really good picks. I, I'm actually kind of interested in a couple of the ones you guys uh, mentioned this week, so definitely awesome. From across the galaxy to battle the evil Decepticons comes the ultimate Autobot hero, Optimus Prime. We will keep the fan holes truck going on down the road. Going on to toys. We don't talk about toys as much as we thought we would, but every once in a while we come up with a pretty good idea. Good little topic to uh, go back and forth on. As I've said before, Optimus Prime is an icon. He's a character in Transformers. Everybody knows who he is. He's he's the red truck, <laughs> basically. And he's, you know, especially in the Michael Bay movies, he's also kind of a murderer. But anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but the the fact remains, he is a very iconic uh, figure, especially with uh, action, you know, adventure buffs, and especially people who love giant robots. He's pretty much turned into someone that you pretty much picture when you say giant robot. You're like, oh yeah, like Optimus Prime. So with that, you have a lot of interpretations of the character. He's had a buttload of toys in his reign as an icon. He's been around for like I said over 25 years. He's just, God, he's been in everything. And with that, every toy line has to have an Optimus Prime figure. you got to sell to sell toys to the kids, and kids want to buy Optimus Prime. And with that, you have different looks, different designs, different features, all this stuff. So what we're going to do now is talk about which one of the Optimus Prime toys we just think is, to bring it up from uh, earlier in the show, the bee's knees, kids. <laughs> um I think I have done pretty good on going around the circle now. I think I'm going to start with Mike. What is your favorite Optimus Prime toy? Okay, or, um, or just version? I, I I've got a bunch of honorable mentions, which I'll <laughs> run. I'm going to run through those first because there's a lot of good ones. But uh, um, Godginrai, or or to to uh, make sure it's accurate, uh, Power Master Optimus Prime with Apex armor. Or whatever yeah. they released him, yeah, whatever they Hasbro released caught it into. <laughs> yeah, whatever they released him as over here. But yeah, that's a great like classic big brick of a toy, you know. And he, like it's it's in the Ginra, the what do you call the God bomb, Bomber or Apex Armor or whatever, just adds to the fun of an already awesome, you know, classic Prime toy. And uh, you know that one's great. I love the base. I love you know everything that toy does. For a G1 um, toy, he's pretty fucking big too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very imposing. Yeah, the only thing that freaks me out is his giant eyes, like his <laughs> his super mode eyes, like they're humongous. I don't know what the deal with that is. <laughs> I am but... up to this prime, and I am staring into your soul. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Robots in disguise. Optimus are a fire convoy. Yeah. Uh, he is also an honorable mention. He's a great Optimus Prime toy. Um, Classics Prime, the the Voyager-sized one with the smokestack rifle, and uh, he comes with like that other rifle. I forgot what that was for. The vein rifle. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a good update of Optimus Prime. Um, uh, Revenge of the Fallen leader Optimus Prime is a really good version of like the movie mold. Although um, I'm pretty sure he's the second. I'd say he's the second most frustra- uh, frustrating Transformer to transform ever. I'm pretty sure they devised his transformation as a method of torture for children. Like <laughs> getting him into truck mode is like impossible. Like he will remain in robot <laughs> mode forever. Can, can I ask you this? 
Is What's he that? more annoying than uh, Alternator's Grimlock? He would be the number one <laughs> most frustrating Transformer. <laughs> I, I'm yes. pretty sure that's how they torture like prisoners in Guantanamo. They're like, transform yeah. this. I can't do it. <laughs> exactly. But no, it's a, it's a really good representation of uh, movie Optimus Prime, and he's got the flip-out swords for face removal action, you know. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a good toy. Um, it, you know, and I figured he's going to remain in Robot. I have the movie one Optimus uh leader class toy too so that would if i ever wanted to display him in truck mode i just use that one's truck mode and the revenge of the fallen one's robot mode so oh, that that's yeah that's pretty clever cool. clever girl <laughs> <laughs> okay and those, those those were just the honorable mentions and these these three are my favorites okay <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, these three i have a super favorite yeah and then and then comes the ultra champion yeah <laughs> hey and Matt, can that... i fight you with a top to determine who's the winner <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly okay here we go um Laser Optimus Prime from Generation 2, um, although I kind of prefer him in, like, the Scourge colors. I like him in the evil colors yeah, better. Yeah, uh, that's but... the only thing that ever turned me off of G2 Prime. He's a really great toy, but the, the color scheme is kind of, especially, like, the windshield. Ugh. Yeah. And, and, and of course, like all G2 toys, he has to write his name in giant letters across the trailer or whatever, just so everyone knows who he is. <laughs> and, you know, it not, it, it's like not even like the sound box that came with like G2 Optimus Prime could like, you know, let him know who he is with the I am Optimus Prime. Yeah, you know? it was like like G2 Jazz is like, you know. Hey, Prime, which one of those is your tanker trailer? The one that says Optimus Prime on it, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that's a great toy. It has a lot of weapons. You know, the, the trailer or the tanker trailer opens up, and you've got, like, the disc launcher and the, the, the like, what, what's it, like that bellows launcher where you have to, like, pound on the bellows to shoot the rocket. I love, um, the, I love the ripple fire missiles. Ooh. Yeah, and those two, yeah. And then he, he comes with a sword and another, like, pistol. And, you know, it's a lot of awesome weapons and stuff. If we're, I guess you said it earlier, if if we get to include Optimus Primals, then uh, I love Transmetal Optimus Primal with the surfboard. Like, I, lo- I freaking love the rocket board gorilla with maces and stuff i think yeah. he's awesome that's, that's a good thing i always used to like putting those um those maces on his backpack and then doing like they did in the show where the backpack yeah, like, like was in guns. the front and there's like the little machine gun and yeah stuff. the gun assembly like you know that was just like the animators like they took like the toy or the concept and they're like so what can we do for weapons with this guy and they're like hey if you pull the you know the backpack over it kind of looks like he's holding like guns or something it seems like something they like pulled out of their ass but it works did you ever, so, get, did you ever get pissed off at like fanboys who hated beast wars who were like he has an eggplant face Meh. And it never really bothered me. I kind of actually liked that he didn't look like an Optimus Prime for a change. Like, I, I like he, that's probably my favorite form of Optimus Primal, the transmetal one, because it looks more unique, I guess, yeah, yeah. than like you know where he was trying to cosplay as Optimus Prime and his other kind of forms, pretty much. But <laughs> who are you um, going as Halloween? Who is Optimus Prime? <laughs> It's more like oh. Optimus Prime is cosplaying as a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And it, it's like, and it's not like so far away from Optimus, like Beast Machines Primal is. Like, you know, it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, take a couple steps back now. Too far. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I <laughs> can't far. sleep tonight. It's now. like, it's like Beast, Beast Machines Primal is like Joel Schumacher. You know? <laughs> yeah. You just want to go back to the Tim Burton days or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, pull it back. Pull it back a little. I also <laughs> like that little. I, I also like that little like loudspeaker pistol he comes with. Like it, it's like his like little thruster. Oh, yeah. It looks it's like, like a little horn, yeah. Yeah, like a little loudspeaker, or like, or what? What do they call like one of those like old timey rifles with the like flared barrel, like a, like a, a blunderbuss? Blunder <laughs> yeah, a blunderbuss. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. Like I, I always like figured like you know he'd like shoot a shot and then he'd be like wait wait and then he'd put the pistol on the ground and like have to like. <laughs> <laughs> he had a little stick and pounded like gunpowder into it and stuff. Okay. Um and number my probably my favorite Optimus Prime toy of all time is Cybertron Optimus Prime. Um I just like the way I don't he just he turns into like a kind of futuristic fire truck, but I, I just like the way his like super mode is formed and his transformation works. It's all like very smooth. And like, like you know, it's not a struggle to transform him. And like, his super mode actually like looks awesome, and not like a bunch of add-on shit. And you know, even his like regular robot mode looks awesome, and not like overweight like Energon Primes did or something. Yeah, and he and, like fanboy homages to hell with all the different like little homages. You know, like he has kind of like Optimus Primal's like faceplate, but then he can also have Optimus Prime's faceplate. Yeah, and he's got the like yeah the the option you can choose the faceplate or not yeah he's got a matrix in his chest that you can take out you know he's got the giant like rail guns under his arms that are like you know he looks very like anime-ish but like still a transformer like so i'm i don't know like i and he's like big too which is awesome so i i just really love cybertron optimus prime so he's probably my pick for favorite prime um, and I should say, I guess, like, by default, the definite Optimus Prime toy is, like, probably one of the masterpiece ones, but I've yeah. actually, I've actually never owned them, and I don't know, like, I, they seem kind of, like, the big, the first one seems kind of unwieldy to me, like, I don't know, like, he seems a little too big, I guess. Uh, so. Odd Secret Brothers thing on that, I've never owned an Optimus Prime masterpiece either. Like, I, I was almost tempted to see if I could track down, like, that recent one they released, the smaller one. Yeah, he looks really cool. I like him. He seems, like, more in scale with, like, Grimlock and Rodimus and stuff, and, like, it looks like he'd be, I don't know, but I don't, he's still too expensive. He's still, like, like over 200 bucks, oh, I think. Because yeah. so. he comes with a trailer, doesn't he? Yeah, he comes with a trailer and roller and all that shit, so, you know. But, you know, maybe one day. But as for now, Cybertron Prime is my favorite one. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, a lot of good picks. Um, Justin, now that Mike's named every Optimus Prime toy, which is your favorite? <laughs> you better not take any of mine. They're mine. <laughs> like, I'm killing my ideas. I really like Gobot Prime. <laughs> you're like, all you've left me is Fatimus Prime from Energon, damn you. <laughs> I guess I'll have to go with, like, here was a Cybertron, like, communication prime. <laughs> I like that one. You, like, lava burst orange-colored Optimus, like a Japanese exclusive, like, well, Lucky Frog Golden Orange Burst Creamsicle Prime. What's the, button, uh, the, the, the uh, Power Mesh Prime Fire Guts Convoy <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> 
I was gonna say like I'm gonna cheat and just go with like Leo Convoy and you know. But no, um A winner is you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Mike pretty much mentioned like the ones that I was gonna mention, but um like as a kid, like I always really liked the G two laser prime. Like I never owned it. Like a buddy of mine always had it, so I would I'd always like play with his or you know sometimes we would trade toys like for a few days and you know i'd like trade him some x-men toys or what have you and you know i'd get like g2 prime and you know uh star scream or somebody and i would pretty much have like g2 prime pretty much kill all my other decepticons like, <laughs> i guess it's like a prelude to like his face ripping days now or whatever but you know he, he was pretty handy with the sword whenever he fought star scream but um, I guess like the favorite one that I've ever owned, I guess I'd have to go with the um, Robots in Disguise, uh, you know, Fire Convoy Prime. Um, I've got the Cybertron Prime, and I really like it, but I don't know, like, I just, I really appreciate the um, Robots in Disguise Prime. Like, he, he, you know, he is a fire truck. He's not a semi. But, you know, when you when you put him in a robot mode, he, he looks like Optimus Prime. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. And if you want to, like, you know, put him into super mode, he's got that, you know, armor that he can attach to himself. And he, like, I think he looks pretty cool in the armor. But whenever I display him, he's just, you know, regular, you know, robots in the skies, Optimus Prime. And I, I don't know, I've always, like, I bought that. That was probably the first robots in the skies figure I bought. Like, I was really tempted to import him for. However much he was going for, you know, back in those days when it was really expensive to to import yeah, those. Yeah, I, th- I think he was like seventy or eighty bucks back then. Yeah. Yeah, because like back then, like we we didn't think we were gonna get that, so everybody was importing all those things like mad. But then we ended up getting it, and that was the first one I bought. Yeah, that's, and, what, we, we, that's what we thought we were getting trans tech. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, like I've still got the one I originally bought. Like I've still got all his missiles and accessories and things. And he's have like, you had any uh, issues with uh, the rubber tires cracking? No, like I, I've transformed. Yeah, like I've, I've, I mean, I've seen other ones at flea markets and things. Like one of my buddies had a, he bought one at the same time I did because he loves Transformers and he had his maybe a year or so. And I remember going over to his house. And he was like, "Man, my wheels are all cracked and they're falling off." I'm like, "Oh, sorry. Like, mine are fine. Like, it's he's like standing beside, you know." <laughs> just just said, "Well, mine are fine." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sucks to be you, but you know, like he, <laughs> he's fine. Like he's like standing on the left side of like Primus, and on the other side of Primus is uh, Cybertron Prime. So they're they're proudly displayed. Yeah, I, I got no hate for uh, Red Prime. Um, I, I, I've never understood this, and maybe this is just me, but a lot of people who didn't like the uh, Robots in the Skies line were always like, oh, they're just parts formers. They're Lego formers. And I'm like, you know, in, my, in the back of my head, I'm like, I can see why you might not like that. But then again, the forefront of my brain says, who gives a fuck? He looks cool, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I even like um, the Omega Prime. Like I, that's a really, I really like that, you know, God do Magnus, you know, Ultra Magnus from that line. Yeah. And yeah. like it's, like I, some toys, you know, you transform them and you're like, man, this is a task, you know, whether it's an alternator or not. But like, it's yeah, it's, Red Prime it's not, is really pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was gonna say like it's not a task at all to like combine 
uh, Ultra Magnus and Red Prime. Like, I have fun doing that, but most combiners, like, if it's overly complicated in parts, I'm just like, oh, man, am I done with this yet? Like, I just want to, like, you know, make them big or whatever. But, like, I have some toys you really have fun playing with and transforming and, you know, putting in cool poses and things. I really, I really like that, like, um, you know, like, in the anime, when, like, they start to combine, they, like, grab each other's hands and they're, like... Do a handshake, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I like how the toys actually have to do that to, like, combine. Like, that look, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was was a nice little touch. It was like, oh, they do that in real life. (laughs) Um, I guess I'll go ahead and go next. Um, I want to go ahead and uh, reveal my favorite one i have a uh, two honorable mentions but i do have the secret brothers mic on this one cybertron optimus prime is pretty fucking badass um uh justin was saying how he's not totally into it he likes it he thinks it's really cool but let's just put it this way i like it so much i'm getting his from him so i can have one again because <laughs> i lost my original one so that should tell you how much i like the figure um yeah, he. It, I can't really explain much more than what Mike said. It's just a really fucking awesome figure. A lot of cool stuff. He's got like, like I said, uh, like homages out the ass. Like you know, he looks kind of like God Genrai and like the Super Mode, or you know, he looks like Turn, huh? Turn it, turning him to Super Mode is just kind of satisfying. Like how, like how easily, like all his parts like slide into place and stuff. I don't know what it is, but it's just like it's kind of like satisfying. Yeah, it's like you're like yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> slide into those tabs will slide together just yep. like so. Yeah. Uh, I I need a cigarette. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> slide so good. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel that ball joint. <laughs> 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 oh, we're going to hell. Um, <laughs> Listeners can send their angry emails to fanhillspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, you abuse toys. <laughs> you guys talk <laughs> dirty oh. about toys. Um, I, I do have a couple of uh, honorable mentions myself, though. Uh, I, too, like classics Optimus Prime, uh, the Voyager size. As far as... G1 goodness, if you want something to display with all your classic toys, he fits so fucking well. He's just a little bit taller than everybody else, except for the guys who in the show were taller than him. He looks imposing. He has a lot of cool weapons. It just, it's just a really good figure. I mean, I I wouldn't say he's the definitive version, but he's just really he's well done in his simplicity. Is that, is that probably a good way of saying it, Mike? Oh, definitely. I was gonna say. Also, he can hold Power Master Prime's rifles. Oh, nice! I, so I he looks that. even more badass. <laughs> Always a good thing. Um, I am gonna go off uh, off the radar from the uh, last two, and you know what? I don't know why. I can't explain it. Don't worry, it's not Fatimus. But I actually really like uh, the War for Cybertron Deluxe Prime. I think that's a really good figure. He's kind of complex he's kind of hard to transform i will say that but i like how he looks he looks like a prime but he doesn't look like optimus prime in a way it's just different enough and i like his alt mode i i i really can't put my finger on it it's like you know the hasbro's doing this big 13 thing where they're always you know going on about the all the different primes and stuff and 
you know, with a different color scheme, I could see him as like maybe like Nova Prime or something, you know, if they want to go that route. And he just looks really he's, – he's just a really good sculpt, you know. It's like I don't know if it's so much that he's a really good Optimus Prime toy, but I think he's a really good toy. I think a lot of people kind of overshadowed it and kind of overlooked him. So I want to kind of go off uh, on my own tangent on that. I think he's a really good one. And lastly, as just honorable mention for the guy who started all, G1 Optimus Prime does have some like very nostalgic – uh, feelings for me because I never owned one. I still don't have one, and it's not because I don't want him. It's just because every time I think about getting him, I'm like, he's always going to be available. I know that at some point I'll own a G1 Prime, and it's kind of like that nice kind of like I don't know toy collector security blanket is like, I don't have a problem getting a G1 Prime. He's he's like had twenty three thousand releases, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, but but he may be carrying around Pepsi Blue instead of his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so like, you know, I'll get him at, at some point. And and also, I think like a lot of modern collectors, like well, not modern, but like a lot of collectors now in the later years of the uh, toy line, G1 Prime is nostalgic and he's really cool. But there have been a lot of better releases of how Prime looks, especially when you watch this cartoon or the movie, and. He is nostalgic. He is, you know, he's cool for what he is, but, you know, as far as a toy goes, yeah, Classic Prime blows him away. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have Classic Prime displayed on a shelf than G1 Prime, even though, like, a uh, old-school G1 Prime is worth, you know, so much more money. I don't care about money. I like looking at cool toys. That's just my basic yeah. feeling on that, yeah. I, I never had Prime growing up either. I think uh, Robots in Disguise Prime was the first Prime I ever, you know, owned, so I kind of back you up on that. I had I had the Generation Two version of the G One Prime mold with the, the like I always loved the big sound pack it came with. The, I am Optimus Prime. I am Optimus Prime. I am Optimus Prime. You may not know who I am, but I am Optimus Prime. In case you forgot. Yeah. And he he also had the name written in giant letters <laughs> on his trailer syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Who's coming to fight us? Oh, it's Optimus Prime. Oh shit, he's saying it again. I am Optimus Prime. <laughs> Prime's like, quick, I'll go in disguise. Me and the disguise that has your name on the trailer. <laughs> oh, look who's coming. It's Captain Full of Himself. Good job. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give, I'll give him his due. I just As far as wanting him in my collection, he's I, I would say he's not a priority. It's not that I don't want him. It's just that I don't feel the need to like go buy him tomorrow, if you know what I'm saying. Um but yeah, yeah, those are my picks. Uh, Derek, I, I'm kind of glad it came to you last because I know you don't collect toys very much anymore. So I don't, I know you don't have any of the newer ones, but you did like Transformers back in the day. So what was your favorite? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, like I, I feel pretty old school. Just to put this in perspective, the the primes that I have owned um, were G1 Prime, uh, Power Master Prime, Action Masters Prime. And then I had a I, – I, I always butcher the name on this because I never remember what they're called. But it was the, the super um, – what is it? Like super mega SCV, you know, the ones that come with all the parts. Where you oh, super figure collection, I think? Yeah, it was like, I you know, the one that, that have the little, you know, uh, axe hand, you know, orange axe hand and stuff like that. And so um, I, you know – when this question came up, I, for me, I guess I have to say Power Master Optimus Prime is my definitive one. Like, I had G1 Prime, 
you know, I've, I've always been, a, you know, a main character. I type collector, you know, in terms of, like, toys and stuff like that. So, you know, Optimus Prime was given, I guess, you know, given his, his prominence on the cartoon for me, you know, kind of like, I guess, you know, there are obvious distinctions between how, you know, a lot of the original G1 toys looked. You know, I was always saddened. You know, I, I owned Ironhide. I liked the character. But, you know, like, I, I think I've explained this before on the podcast to where, you know, I took a little post-it and drew a face of Ironhide and put it <laughs> on the top of his, his you know, windshield just so I, I was like, well, at least he has a head now. You know, and I know that his windshield was supposed to be the head in the toy mode, but I never, you know, kind of get over that he didn't have a head in my mind like that. So, um, I guess for me, like, Power Master Optimus Prime was really awesome because, for the first time, I was like, wait, I can pull him out? And like, you know, like, you know, especially the, the actual, I guess, uh, you know, truck. You know, the, the, you know not so much the, the armor and the brick and the tractor, but I really love the fact that when, you know, you could transform him in the truck mode and you could flip out the back of his arms, and he had his own little, you know, um, you know, chest, you know, and stuff, and he kind of, to me, it was like the first step to looking a little more, I guess, you know, cartoon accurate in some ways you know? and the other thing i loved about it was the, the g1 toy like it was really easy for me as a little kid to lose a lot of the parts so it what i remember it, it went something like this it was like i had g1 optimus prime with his fists and all his parts and then i lost all the fists and all the parts and then i used ultra magnus's fists for prime's fists when i bought ultra magnus and then i lost those fists and then I remember, like, trading somebody, like, G.I. Joe toy for, like, one blue fist. Or, like, you know what I mean? And it was, like, and I had, like, Prime, like, one hand. You know, and then I put, <laughs> like, I put, like, the broken hilt of Prime's gun. By that point, G1 Prime's gun was broken. And so I put, like, broken hilt of gun in the other hand. So it was, like, he was, like, Ash from Army of Darkness or something, but with the, you know, rifle, you know, uh, uh, you know, end in one, you know, in his left hand, and then he actually got a hand in the other hand, um, you know, on the, on the, for his right hand or whatever. But uh, Power Master Optimus Prime, I guess, I thought was really cool. I mean, you know, as far as, like, the, the Beast Force type stuff, like, I feel like I'm secret brothers with Jensen because I love Lee Convoy, but I never actually got to import him. Like, I really wanted it, though. I remember at the time, I was like, this is so cool. Like, I want this lion prime type figure whatever you know but i never i never managed to there used to be like a little shop that you go to that had stuff like that and I, I i but i just never i don't know i never i never ended up getting that but uh as far as uh the primals i guess i had transmetal prime and uh optimal optimus and then after that that was pretty much it i mean some of the newer stuff looks cool to me it's just you know like i said i don't really get into that too much though i, I have to admit i was kind of kind of really tempted when it came out with that um what do they call it the some the, uh, of the hybrid series the, those big giant ones that are all you know all the rage whatever I, masterpiece I or the masterpiece yeah, like oh. i was kind of tempted to get maybe the masterpiece hot rod or rodimus or whatever calling it because i you know i kind of dig rodimus but uh but i never you know it was just one of those things i guess i never actually saw it in a store so it wasn't anything i you know it was just one of those things where i was like 
this is kind of cool. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to spend $70 on you know. yeah, I was about to say, Derek, even though I know you like Rodimus a lot and he's one of your favorite Transformers characters, as a not even collector anymore, I even if I were you, I would not justify the price for that figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of... But I, you know, I never saw it. But uh, but anyway, like, that's... I'd say Power Master Prime. Because I, you know... And I, I kind of dug all the little Nebulon stuff, you know, and Haikyuu. And, you know, I also read the comics, too. So by that point, it kind of seemed to... You know the the cartoon isn't on as much anymore. Kind of seemed to match up with what was going on in the comic story. And I I would I'm guessing like what he was Power Master Prime in like issue 42. So it was he was almost Power Master Optimus Prime, you know, almost as long as he was G1 Optimus Prime in the U.S. comics. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. From that from that perspective, I always I was like, yeah, I've got the current Prime. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was Power Master Prime all the way up till issue seventy five, I think, and then yeah, he comes yeah. he comes back as Action Master Prime in the very last issue. Yeah, so. yeah, because Nucleon is awesome or something. <laughs> sell toys. <laughs> I'm back because it's my destiny to sell toys. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> almost back. got me there. Yeah, almost got yeah, me I, there. I know, I know people don't dig Action Masters that much. But I always thought they were really cool because, like I said like those sort of cartoon-accurate type ways, which is why I got into those, um, you know, super, you know, whatever the hell they're called, you know, super mega thingamabobs. I just kind of wanted Prime to come back and be like, I'm back, it's smaller than ever before. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, No, that's cool, yeah. I I was kind of actually looking forward to your uh, thoughts since you, like, have stopped collecting because you might have some old-school classics, which you did, which is pretty cool. Um... Yeah, kids, if you collect toys, you know who Optimus Prime is. And this is totally an opinion thing. Just get the Prime you like. These are just some guidelines, and some of the ones we like, totally pick your favorite one. If you like Fatimus Prime, yeah, okay, that's I'm not going, cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not cool, but, you know, that's your choice. <laughs> make your own choices. <laughs> I'm not your dad. Pick your own damn toys. One art, please. But we're going to move on from the uh, Transformer leader and go to our last uh, topic of this show. Uh, like I said before, we're going to go into illustrators, and this is not just based just on comic book uh, artists. I mean, there's nothing wrong with comic book artists. There's a lot of very accomplished ones out there who have made stunning artwork. Um, just off the top of my head, like Simon Bisley, uh, Norm Brayfogle, I really like. Uh I mean, obviously, Tom McFarlane, if you really like his stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, just because you're a comic artist doesn't mean you can't be an illustrator. But this topic is widespread. Just people who draw, paint, create, who are artists. You know, who's your favorite illustrator? Um, not really going so much with, like, maybe paintings, but maybe so. You know, you never know. I mean, it is an illustration. You know, just because it doesn't tell a long story doesn't mean it can't tell a short story. Um I'm going to go ahead and start off. I have three picks, and they actually are very wide-ranging, so uh, take that for what you will. One of the uh, first ones I really like are the Brothers Hildebrand. They are well known for doing a lot of illustrations of the J.R.R. Tolkien's series of Middle-Earth. They've done so many other things. They are great fantasy painters. 
I can't remember if both have passed away, but I know one has at least passed away. And yeah, so you will never see new stuff from them, you know, because they usually collaborate a lot. They have done some solo stuff, obviously, but they usually work together. And yeah, you, you're you know you're missing out if you've never enjoyed like a Hildebrand painting. They do a lot of painting. They don't do a lot of just sketching and uh, ink and line work. Uh, really great artists. I, I love the brothers Hildebrand. Um, I do have a favorite comic artist, and this is going to sound really strange and really out of left field, but I've always enjoyed Eric Larson's stuff. He has a very good energy and focus to how he draws. It's a little bit cartoony, it's a little bit exaggerated, but he has a really good sense of anatomy in a weird way, and all of his characters pop, and he draws some weird-ass characters. But Eric Larson just, he puts so much energy into a panel, and he has this great style that I've always I've always really appreciated him. He was one of my favorite uh, Spider-Man artists, actually. Uh, the stuff on Savage Dragon is just like, it It borders on genius with just how over-the-top it is. You, you, you know, Savage Dragon fighting a guy with a shark for a head and a hammer for a hand and like a fucking truck for a foot. Because um, <laughs> he's that's just the kind of guy he is. <clears throat> and then finally, I, I feel kind of weird adding this guy, and this is one of the reasons why Illustrator is kind of ambiguous, because he was more known for his cartoon work, but he was a designer. <clears throat> he actually put pen to paper, and it wasn't, you know, just because it was animated later doesn't mean that he was not an illustrator. I always appreciated Alex Toth's work. He was a guy who basically gave you your superheroes on the uh, TV screen. He, uh, yeah, he's Ghost Birdman. Um, I think he had his hand in a little bit of the uh, Super Friends design. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was he was just really good. Clean lines, very like simple stuff, but everything was you know anatomically correct. I mean, like it looked like real people. They look like the superheroes they're meant to be. So, yeah, I really enjoyed his stuff. So those are my three picks. Uh, yeah, totally uh, check out some Brothers Hildebrandt, uh, Eric Larson, and uh, Alex Toth. Alex Toth, you'll have to check out more on cartoons, but that's still his work. So those are my picks. Um, I'm just going to go at random on this one. Mike, who is one of your favorite illustrators? Okay, well, I basically, yeah, like you, went with, like, comic book artists I guess we're uncultured scum or whatever. We could have picked like a real painter or something, but you know, no, no, that's not that. That that's uh, I didn't mean to be insulting or anything. Yes, you did. You <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I kind of did. But uh, in any case, no. Um, I demand I, satisfaction, sir. Good sir. Good sir. That's uh, funny. You put some uh, bricks in your in your glove before you slap it. They say that we. Uh, tell it this uncultured snob, but it's okay. We can uncle. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to, like with my Optimus Prime thing, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of honorable mentions because this was a really hard topic for me. And, uh, like, just to pick a favorite artist in comics. And uh, once again, I'm going to just rattle them off, and I don't think I'm going to stop. So, you know, don't interrupt or anything. <laughs> but, uh, Anybody wants to have stop, sandwich stop. now? Start. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but some of my favorite comic book artists include... Uh, Mark Bagley, uh, Stuart Imonen, uh, Patrick Zercher, Mike Diodato Jr., uh, John Cassidy, Kev Walker, Jim Lee, uh, classic Frank Miller, uh, classic John Byrne, uh, Todd Nock, uh, Ron Friends, 
Ryan Otley, David Lopez, uh, and then in a Transformers sort of way, a Transformers corner of the universe, uh, Nick Roach, uh, Guido Guidi, uh, EJ Sue, and uh, classic Don Figueroa before he went all bug eyes and all that. <laughs> he lost his shit. Yeah. 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 And then um, I narrowed it down to my top three. Um, for Transformers, like I kind of like sectioned that off. Uh, Jeff Senior is probably my favorite artist on Transformers and other stuff. Like I think I mentioned, he did a lot of what ifs too that I thought yeah. were was were really awesome. I really like the way he does. I think I I've never seen anyone do like motion as well as he does it. Like just uh, a action expressed in like a single panel. I just uh, like the way he does it. I think everything he does, and uh, it has a lot of impact, and he does scale very well. He's one of those guys that, like, the angular style people can't pull off, but he pulls off the angular style really well. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like cubism, almost, like, expressionistic, but, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, whatever it is, I really dig it. Um, and my other two choices, uh, Sal uh, Buscema, who I always loved his work on, like, Spectacular Spider-Man. Like, the, those are some of my favorite Spider-Man uh, stories, especially, like, <laughs> dealing with, like, the Harry Osborn Green Goblin and stuff. And I, I've always liked his work on uh, Spider-Man. And, he's he's uh, kind of like a Jim Baparo. He didn't create Spider-Man, obviously. That was a Dicko thing. But he's credited with, like, giving Spider-Man his look almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, also, I also think he's one of those guys that's, uh, you know, similar to Jim Parra or something. But it's like he he does, you know, he could keep up with the guys, the image guys, when they came on the scene, you know, who were doing the cool poses and stuff. But I always thought, you know, especially you know, given what Mike's talking about his art, you know, in terms of the characters, you know, it was just as expressive and. You know, yeah. help, help the characters emote and act. He, he, you know, when, he, when Harry got pissed, you, like, you knew. Yeah, I was going to say, he draws he angry, he draws, like, angry or crazy people, like, awesomely, like, you know, yeah. And and, and also, he, the way he, he does, like, Hulk and Harry and, yeah. Yeah, he also switched to the, like, giant McFarlane eyes, like, seamlessly, almost. Like, it was almost like he, like, slowly evolved <laughs> size to the McFarlane size. And it was kind of weird. Like you see yeah, some there's, there's probably some editorial, you know, after Gwen McDuffie. All know, spiders must be big eyed. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like yeah. You know, they're probably all in you know memos out. So I'm sure something like that probably happened. Everyone just, has to draw the big eyes, yeah. Just but for our he, fan holes listeners who may not know, for a long time, Spidey in the 60s and early 70s had almost a Domino Max-type style uh, eye set, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's funny, though, cause, just because, like, I don't know, when, like, when Mark Bagley, it's like I could see, like, almost, like, when I look at some of the back issues, it's like I could see one month where, like, Spider-Man has, like, reasonable eyes, and then, like, the next month that they're, like, half his face, almost. So yeah, like, 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 the bottom of bottom of the eye like goes like to like his the corners of his mouth <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but i don't know i don't know whatever like busema did and or whatever his like inkers or colorists did like it seemed like a natural evolution almost but yeah. um and the last guy i want to mention is george perez who uh does great work on like a lot of my favorite avengers stories and just is in general is probably the master of a 
drawing like large messy groups of people all like throwing like going in different directions or throwing themselves at each other which is like awesome so but making it look cool yeah and exactly making it look distinct and cool and you can tell like who every single person in that giant mob is pretty much yeah i i always appreciated his work especially because you know like sometimes people draw giant mobs but then like you could tell like which characters they like the best in the mob it's like you could never really tell that with george because all the characters look really really good you know it's like i don't know i always felt it's like like they all had like a cool moment if you like picked it out yeah yeah yeah, I I uh, I don't know if Derek will uh, back me up on this, but like, <clears throat> and I I'm I'm kind of sorry I picked him now. I kind of feel like an asshole, but uh, George Perez was actually one of the main reasons why uh, the new Teen Titans was selling neck and neck with the X Men in the early '80s. Oh yeah, dude! Like that was a hot hot book, and Perez was was you know a rock star artist back then. I mean, his work was great on that book. So yeah, I mean I. I dig, I, I definitely, you know, Crisis and all the, you know, all the big important, you know, stuff that he did. Even, you know, even the stuff on Wonder Woman. I don't know that I'm that fond of, of, of his writing and stuff, but the art on it is beautiful. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely good choices. <clears throat> I know you've listed a lot of comic book guys, but did you have any other uh, illustrators outside the comic medium, or is that pretty much what you got? That's pretty much what I got. Um, I'll, I'm there, there, I will, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, tell a lie. There are a couple of guys I have not heard of, but a lot of those guys are really are like, you know, top of the line comic artists. So yeah, I, I would totally put them up as anybody else. Yeah. I was going to say like Michelangelo and Raphael are nothing but Ninja Turtles to me. <laughs> <laughs> I tell a joke. <laughs> I was I was going to mention though uh, when you talk about uh, Jeff Senior, uh, it made me think of uh, Walt Simonson a lot. Like it seems like they they kind of share, uh, you know. I'm not saying they're identical or anything, but but they you know they seem to share. Yeah, similar, I can uh, like kind of kind of made me think of like you know when Jeff Senior you know drew like Death's Head or somebody, and seeing you know Walt Simonson do it like over Fantastic Four and stuff like that. You know, kind of what Tony was talking about making that. That that precision angular type style work for them, you know, like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was it was some good stuff. Um, definitely some cool stuff. Uh, all the people Mike have has listed are prominent figures in the comic industry. You probably could pick up any book and okay, let's say you go to a comic shop and you look through one of the big white cases full of back issues. You'll probably find at least. 9, 10, 20 comics by one of these guys who's drawn something. So just go to a comic book shop and look through the back issues or even the current ones. He's listed a couple of current guys and just check out some of that artwork. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, comic art is nothing to be ashamed of. It's some really good stuff. So um, I'm going to go ahead and go to Justin. Uh, who are some of your guys that you think are at the top of their game as far as being illustrators? Well, I'm going to I'm going to pull a mic and give you my two honorable mentions and then my favorite um only two i had like 18 you did no homework at all <laughs> it's not contest <laughs> i only had three two it's okay <laughs> um the first one i'm going to mention is gil elfgren and he's sometimes referred to as the norman rockwell of cheesecake um, that's because he mo- he's mostly famous for post uh, painting 
um, lots of lots of lots of and lots of pinup grills like in the 30s 40s you know 50s um, and if you've ever seen one you you probably actually have seen one of his paintings and you just don't know it but you never knew it yeah 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 it's it's one of those if you ever like stumbled upon any kind of like old old like you know may, may I ask you a question did he do some Betty Page stuff no no okay. this is his stuff like more like it's tamed with like a sense of humor because it'll have you'll have like a girl like um putting the laundry out on a clothesline and like the back of her skirt will be caught in something or you know she'll be like um Oh, he's like he's like the forefather of fan service. Yeah, pretty much. I and mean, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like a tease is good. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just like, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, there, there's like a different definition of like fan service and stuff like that today. Yeah, I mean, some I of the yeah. some of the stuff he was painting back then was kind of like people were just like, oh, I can't believe you painted that. You know, we look at it today and we're we're just like, oh, that's pretty tame. But back then, back then it wasn't tame. You know. Um, like, <laughs> there's I, I there's just, like a group of ten guys, and like nine of them are like, "This is an abomination in God." And then one guy's like, "I gotta go back to like the restroom, and I'll be back in a minute." <laughs> <laughs> that guy's like, "I must loggeth out, <laughs> <laughs> must fap." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I I just like the way he he paints women. He makes them look really, you know, realistic and beautiful all at the same time. Even though it's it's obviously a painting, it it, it has a a real feeling to it. Um, I got a question. Is he is he more like of a, a, a? I'm trying to think of the guy. Who's the guy who did uh, Mike Chiodo? Is he kind of like in that style? Um, not really. No, no. I'm just curious because he he does like kind of like pinups too, and he does like kind of curvaceous, voluptuous women who aren't all skinny and bags of bones and stuff. I really hate that shit. So I was just kind of wondering. Yeah. Um. The second one I want to mention really quick is Norman Saunders, who – he's another one you've probably seen one of his covers because he did a lot of, like, pulp covers and, you know, uh, paperback covers, like, you know, way back in the day. Like, he also did a lot of the Mars Attacks um, cards oh, from the 60s. Cool. And he also did – there was also a, um, a set of Batman cards, like, based on the 60s show. He also did a bunch of cards from that series, too, that are really cool, but uh, – I really appreciate a lot of his work. And, I mean, yeah, he had that kind of like noir style, like like yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, like a really kind of like cool noir, like you know, like one of his famous covers is like a good girl with like, you know, she's like leaning out of a car or something and shooting the guns. Like you know, she's got like a V-neck shirt on, and you know, it's it's really cool. Like noir, well, what they call kinda, them, uh, gun malls. Yeah. yeah, that is really cool. Um. <clears throat> The, are, uh, I got a question. Is there any like collected works of these guys that we can maybe check out? Um, I I have myself. I've got a book of Ilgrun's, like a. It's just basically just a, a giant book of like most of his works, like in a book form. I don't remember what the name of it is, but I got it at Books a Million for like fifteen or twenty dollars. So, you know, if you're interested, you can check that out. I think there's a book on Norman Saunders, but it's. I'm pretty sure it's out of print because I've never been able to get my hands on it. But it's it's basically got you know like a an inventory of all the pulps, and he also did a few comic covers too, like some of that like you know crime doesn't pay, like some of that early like EC stuff too. Cool. cool. Um, the but the big the big one I want to mention that who is my favorite is uh, Frank Frazetta. 
I actually had thought about him, but yeah, go ahead. I'll let you expound upon him. He's a really great artist. Um, I think I've said this before on the show, but like my uncle is a huge collector of the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, who you know created Tarzan. So like as a, I can remember as a little kid being exposed to like all these different like comics and you know old pulps and paperbacks and things. Like all of them had like you know different artists. Like I the um, I remember a lot of the pulp covers from like Amazing Stories had really great covers, but the ones I was drawn to the most were all these like um, Ace reprints that had Frazetta covers, and like I really thought those were like those were great, like those kind of blew my mind. <clears throat> but uh, you know, Frazetta did a lot more than just you know stuff like that. He did all kinds of stuff. You know, he did movie posters and covers for like Molly Hatchet. You know, just a plethora of things. Um, he, did, he did a couple of Conan book covers too, right? Well, he, he did lots of Conan. Like during the 60s, yeah. there was like a big a big rush to like reprint all this all like pulp stuff. You know, you had like your James Bama, um, Doc Savage. You had like the Conan reprints and then all the Edgar Spurls stuff was reprinted like just crazy. Um, he did most of those, and then you know he did various other things. You know, like he's famous for the the Death Dealer. You know, it's just that menacing guy on the horse with an axe. <clears throat> they made a toy of that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they've made toys. They've also made some little like statues. Um, I've got one of them. I've got the Sea Witch, uh, which is also the Sea Witch is also on the cover of the first uh, Wolf Mother CD. Like if you if you know of them or. You know, know anything about that, but I, I've heard of it, but I haven't heard the music. I'll admit. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I love Frank Frazetta. Like I love just about everything he did. I guess like if I had to single out just one favorite Frazetta painting, like I really love um, the painting he did for Savage Pellucidar, which is a Edgar Rice Burroughs novel, and it's really simple. It's just this. Um, it's just a cave girl holding a spear next to like a saber-toothed tiger, but just just the way he captures this cave girl and the way you see the saber-toothed tiger and there's kind of a hint of like a jungle. You know, they're on some kind of like plateau overlooking something, but just just the way he captured like that moment. Like I really, really love that cover. I, I know the word is thrown around a lot on the internet now, and I, I hate to use it, but I think it's really appropriate. A lot of Frazetta's uh, imagery is epic. Yeah, like I... That's a very, very, very overused, overrated word these days. But it, I mean, it, it really does apply to it. Like, I, I think it, it really does capture all of that sword and sorcery, you know, fantasy genre feel to it. And, you know, you, they, you've got other people in the genre too, like Boris and Julie. Like, they really have that kind of Frazetta feel too. But, you know. I almost fit the yellows too. <laughs> yeah. But it's like when you, when you see a Rosetta, you, you know, it's Rosetta and, you know, you you can also tell just the way he draws his women because, you know, like you said earlier, they're they're not like skinny, like super skinny like girls like you see now like on TV or or what have you. Like these are like you know luscious, curvaceous women. Like you know usually they they've got kind of like a big bust and a big ass and stuff. But when you see a Rosetta woman, you know that's what it is. <laughs> you know it's a Rosetta woman. Yeah, I mean it's a good thing. I mean like yeah, it, it, it's sexualized, but like. The sexuality, it, it kind of transcends the uh, anatomy. It's yeah. just the, uh, the the impression he leaves by it, yeah. 
and, and yeah, he, like I said, he was very close on one of my uh, like being in one of my honorable mentions, and I. I, I I had a feeling somebody was going to pick Frazetta and could probably put it in words better than I did, and you did a much better job than I would have. So, um, there there are several books of about him out there. Like I've I've got three of these books. It's basically just page after page of like his his major paintings and some of his rough sketches and things. There's also a documentary about him called Painting with Fire, which is really great. Like if if you're have ever at all been interested or curious about his life pick it up because it talks about like he wanted to be like a major major league baseball player and he was really close to doing that and he ended up like drawing comics and stuff you know like uh, thunder and stuff like i think derek's mentioned before but um he like he had a stroke like later in life and he he wasn't able to draw for a long time like draw or paint so he basically taught himself how to do all this with his left hand and there's like a special feature where they show him drawing like a panther with his left hand and it's really it's really amazing to see him do this not only do it but do it with his left hand like he basically self-taught him to do that like I, that that just kind of blew my mind like like his, his brain stopped and he retrained his brain yeah like he he also talks about he did a painting for the princess of mars and he thought he said that's the only painting he ever like sold for money like he needed money for some reason and like he uh, i think kept, i've seen that image it's a really good one yeah, he, you know, he talks about he he keeps he keeps all his paintings and like they eventually opened a museum of all of his works, but they were missing that one. So he was like, "Oh, I'm missing it." Like he just sits down and paints it again, and you can't wow. tell the difference between his original that he sold and the one that he like painted like ten years later or whatever. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I have nothing but respect for Frazetta. He, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the the maybe the best concise way of I don't know describing his artwork is just it, it well it, it's like what you said Justin when you see a Frazetta painting you know you've seen a Frazetta painting yeah there's like intense feelings there. there's like you know savagery if you're seeing like if you're seeing Conan like in chains and a giant snake about eating you're just like holy crap but you know there's there's some kind of like feeling or like a captured moment where you're just like holy crap yeah, exactly, exactly. Excellent choices. Uh, <clears throat> like Justin said, uh, the the first two honorable mentions, you can look up some of the stuff he mentioned. You might be able to find it. Like you said, the second one, maybe not. Frazetta is widely known. You could probably pick up something by him in a bookstore. So, yeah, definitely yeah, check or, out some. Or you could check out the uh, the animated movie like that's based on his work. The Fire and Ice is an 80s like animated movie that is basically just a – Animated movie made for Zeta way, like it's pretty cool. Definitely something you should definitely check out. Um, we we're gonna go to our last contributor for this, uh, Derek. I, I know you kind of teased earlier that you may have some uh, outside the box uh, ideas for illustrator. Oh, you know like, what? I think I think I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll end with that. That'll be my my favorite illustrator. You know, which is a is a uh, you know. Uh, from the romantic period or whatever but uh, I, you know, I'll just uh, do a quick uh, you know, list of guys that I, I sort of enjoy for the whole comic book scene or whatever since everybody's been kind of doing it I'm going to cave in the pressure and put some, some honorable mentions <laughs> comic artists and stuff but um, you know, yeah, I know, you know George Perez has already been mentioned and, and I, I totally dig his work uh, but uh, along with him um, I, I think George Perez is a guy who can 
you know, draw characters. And I, I, a phrase I've always used is he draws the superhero characters the way they're supposed to look. That's kind of how I describe it. And this is another artist who I really love that, that I think draws people the way they're supposed to look. And that's uh, Tom Grummet. Um, he, he probably is, is best known. Like he did a run on New Teen Titans, you know, uh, you know, long after George Perez was off the book. Um, but I mostly uh, was first exposed to his art during Superman, and that was back when there were like four titles. And so Dan Jurgens was on a book, and John Bogdanov was on another book, and I, it was usually like Jackson Guys or somebody else on Action Comics. And uh, he was on Adventures of Superman. And, uh, you know, he's probably, you know, after that, you know, went on to do Superboy, like a Superboy was in the, you know, Adventures of Superman stuff, the, the Connell version, and he did that ongoing title for a long time. And so uh, he's worked in D.C. quite a bit, but I just, you know, anytime I see something done by him, I, I think particularly like a crossover like Panic in the Sky for Superman, it's like, you know, John Bogdanov is kind of, he's not a bad artist by any means, but he's a very stylized artist. So when he draws Captain Marvel, he kind of draws Captain Marvel in that old-timey way where he's got the sort of, you know, like, like solid black lines for the eyes and stuff. And he kind of looks Kelly, a little how more... we were talking about, like, the angular style earlier, Bogdanov has kind of a lumpy style in a way. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of lumpy, but, but to me it seems to change depending on which character he's drawing. You know, he drew Superman in kind of a certain muscular way, but when you'd see Captain Marvel, it was a little more animated and cartoony, kind of based on the old, you know, C.C. Beck type style and stuff like that. And so, like, I never felt like it was anything consistent that I was looking at. If I saw, you know, a group shot of all the heroes in Panic in the Sky, Infinity Man wouldn't really look like the same guy that Captain Marvel looked like, and Superman wouldn't really look like the same guy that Batman looked like to me. They all kind of looked you know, slightly different because he's such a, a stylized artist. But I think it, it wasn't just like Captain Marvel in a Superman costume and Superman of Captain Marvel costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think with, uh, with Tom Grummet, uh, like everybody kind of looked like how I expect them to look, and they all look really cool to me. So kind of like George Perez, like I, I think he's a guy who, if I had a book. I wanted to do, you know, a big team book with a bunch of people or a big, you know, giant group shot. You know, I, I love that shot of you know, Superman leading all the heroes where they crash through the, the Scorp Tower and they're fighting, uh, you know, Brainiac or his spaceship. You know, I think they all look really cool. Um, you know, Superman's giving them commands in Kryptonian because that's like the, you know, the super plan they're using is to, you know, that's their secret code, you know, to uh, launch attacks and stuff like that. But, uh, so I, I, I love Tom Grum. I, I, I ended up getting quite a few posters that were done by him, you know, whether it was a Robin or Superboy and stuff like that. Um, uh, Neil Adams is another guy, uh, comic artist-wise, that I think is great. Um, I, I think the first book I ever read, of, one of the earliest Batman books I ever read, had Neil Adams. In a roundabout way, it was one of those uh, read-along kind of like power book record and page sets or whatever. And I guess what they did is they they kind of combined a couple issues of Detective Comics and they called it Robin meets Man Bat. And that's how I knew who Man Bat was before I ever watched Batman the Animated Series because you know I read this comic and you know I had an audio tape with it you know that you listened along and stuff and. His, his visuals were just so realistic to me. 
Like, I guess I was used to either Adam West looking kind of goofy or, you know, maybe the Super Friends, and, you know, being animated and stuff. But seeing Neil Adams stuff, I, I don't know. I, I Everything seemed to drip off the page, you know, the water seemed to, you know, if somebody was sweating, it seemed to be so real to me. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I was like looking at photographs. Yeah, I never really, I don't know, experienced before when I get a comic book, you know, like, you know, somebody like Swan, you know, it's like it's great art, but you, you were never going to mistake it for something real. But with, uh, with Neil Adams, I was always kind of like, wow, this is such like these, these, these robbers are really spooky looking because they look like, you know, real robbers with ski masks <laughs> and, you know, like just things like you that. You look like guys you don't want to mess with. Yeah. 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 So, and, and man bat, you know, he had like the serum and it was dripping out of his mouth and all that kind of stuff. And then I guess, uh, sort of along those lines, um, another guy I really dig is Bernie Wrightson. Um, and, uh, he's probably, uh, I'd say he's well known for like the, you know, he did the original Swamp Thing book. Um, so he's more, you know, in terms of, I guess, a horror type artist, more known for that kind of stuff. But, uh, another book of his that I absolutely adore is, uh, the Spider-Man Marvel graphic novel called Pookie. Um, and there, you know, there's some monstrous. I've actually seen, I've actually read that graphic novel. It's a really good graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, and, 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 you know, there's actually some, some you know, kind of creepy, you know, Akira looking crazy monster type stuff in it but there's also you know lots of beautiful women and, and young you know young sidekick kind of girl that's peter Parker meets and you know all kinds of different characters that are, are drawn really wonderfully and uh and then i guess another thing of his that really stood out to me when i was a kid was like, he did the adaption for, for creep show they made like a sort of graphic novel comic book adaption when the creep show movie came out and that's just one of the most awesome, you know, movie to you know comic adaptions. I've you know, most of them are kind of you know half-assed, lame. But this is like, dude, it's fucking Wrightson, you know. And when when my people are like screaming, you can see like saliva coming out of their mouth. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like I don't know. It's, it'll, it's, it'll, it'll just scare shitless. <laughs> like it's awesome. Like I love that stuff. Um, so so for comic guys, like that's that's basically you know some top guys that I would, I would go with, but, um, for the, the actual question about like favorite illustrator, uh, one of my favorite illustrators is, a, a an old Italian, uh, you know, romantic artist and his name is, uh, Francesco Hayes. And, uh, one of my favorite paintings of his, and I guess people can look this up or whatever if they want to online, but, uh, you know, if you look at the painting, the kiss by Francesco Hayes, like, that's probably, I, I remember, you know, when I was in Europe, you know, it was like when I was in, you know, uh, you know France and stuff like that, and, and, and Italy and places like that, you know, that's kind of where I basically, you know, was exposed to that kind of thing, and uh, I, you know, I don't know, I, I, I think it's a great, great picture, and, um, you know, or painting, actually, and, and so he's probably one of my favorite um you know, illustrators or you know painters or what have you and stuff like that. So, I you know it's pretty easy to you know to see some of works. You know, like there's there's plenty of stuff where you can just you know Google certain paintings and stuff like that. But my my favorite is is a Francesco Hayes, the Kiss, and I'm gonna 
fan holes, I think, so they can know what I'm talking about. But uh, I I really dig it. I mean, I, I think it's got a neat composition, and there's kind of a nice sense of urgency with, uh, you know, are, are they, you know, they're kind of two lovers, you're kissing on a walkway, and, uh, you know, there's kind of shadows in the back, like somebody might be coming around the corner any minute, and I don't know, I always kind of dug that painting a whole lot, so that's, well, that's why I wanted to talk about it, so. Well, as, as a struggling artist, I guess you would say for me, um, <laughs> I, I don't consider myself an artist, I consider myself a drawer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think one of the biggest things is impact, and the fact that that image impacted you is like one of the best ways to sell it you know you like looked at it and you're like that's awesome that's what every artist goes for yeah when you, when you see that image you're like that you know it says something to you you don't know you don't even have to know what it says to you just as long as it says something to you so yeah that's that's really cool but yeah tons of artistic talent have has been mentioned i wanted to uh throw out one more name because i again like Mike, damn you! Made me feel like an asshole with all these uh, comic creators. Uh, <laughs> Brian Boland, good stuff too. Yeah, he, he's great too. He's one of those guys where you kind of look at things and start to wonder. You know, it's that fine line between you know artwork and and photorealism, but it doesn't go too far in one direction or the other. I think you know. Yeah, just look up the Killing Joke. You can get it pretty cheap. There's been like seventeen thousand reprints. Just pick that up and you'll be good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, so much good art. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm actually... since you since you brought that up, I'm just curious. Do you do you prefer the the uh, I guess quote unquote original tampered version, or do you prefer his his director's cut version of The Killing Joke? Um, you know, honestly, as like far as he, he recolored himself like the way he wanted it to look and stuff, or do you prefer the original? I actually like the original. I think you shouldn't mess with people's art, but at the same time, and again, this may be nostalgia glasses. Cause I think I got like maybe the third reprinting of it back in the day. And the colors worked for me. It was really spooky. Like when, you know, Gordon was going to the fun house. Yeah. And it just, I mean, you know, everything worked for me. And I saw some of the images of the uh, director's cut. I haven't read the actual issue. And it wasn't bad. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I mean, if you read it and you, you know, enjoy it, I'm not saying you're wrong. There's no wrong or right in art, but just, I don't know. I get, like I said, nostalgia glasses when I first read it. That was the first time I read it, so I kind of hold true to that vision, even though his was, it's kind of the special edition, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you, because that's kind of how I felt when I was looking at it. That's why I asked. I was curious what other people's take on it was. Cause it's like, I, I kind of respect that he wanted to go back and, and, you know, and color it the way he originally planned to and everything. But I always kind of looked at it and was kind of like, that just, you know, I got used to the, the colorization, you know, that I grew up with. So I was like, well, it just looked kind of strange to me. Like, some the colors look a little muted to me. Like, he, he made everything, like, more dreary and more dark. You know, and yeah, whereas like some of the <laughs> some of the Joker stuff when it's crazy, you kind of like the palette to be you know, sort of a little more poppy, like it was in the uh, the original release. But no, I yeah. mean if, if people like the new one or you know his original version, it's not me. You know, I'm like, oh, you're wrong. It's just I just I just thought it'd be interesting to mention since you brought it up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike and Justin, have you seen the director's cut? Any images or anything? 
Not I don't really. Think so. It, it, it to me, and I could be wrong. It's it's kind of like he went into Photoshop and just kind of like took down the contrast. <laughs> yeah, and then like Batman's like wool isn't yellow, and like you know he just makes like minor tweaks to the. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't change like how it looks. It's just the coloring is slightly. It's, it's like slightly different. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the story is still the same. He didn't like, you know, like Batman doesn't like fucking bring out a cake for the Joker and go, good joke, you know, or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just a, a very mild, uh, I would say, aesthetic tweak, if you will. But yeah, yeah, art is always uh, opinion and always like, you know, personal perspective. But yeah, when you listen to this again, guys, especially listen to Mike's, Listen to Justin's and Derek's and mine too, but like you know, listen to all the names you've heard. Really good artists. Just check out a little sample of their art. You can find it online if you want to like find out more. Like Justin's, I really want to find out uh, a lot more about the two guys he mentioned firsthand. I'll listen to the podcast again. And yeah, I mean, art is always something to be appreciated, especially people who can do it very well. So, um, very glad we got some names out there for the people who contribute so much to comics and illustration and just, you know, the art community. So awesome. Awesome. I'm very happy with that topic. That was a really good discussion. Um, we will move on though. Cause we don't want this podcast to be 18 hours. Like our last 17. Um, <laughs> it's going to be about an hour and like 39 minutes, but still, uh, we're going to go to our awesome thing of the week. This is the final topic we usually have every time on Fan Holes Podcast. We just basically tell you what we like. What's going on this week that we found out that is either awesome or just, you know, rocks our world for uh, this minute. Um, eeny, meeny, miny, I, I guess, you know, actually, I have not gone first this time, so I'll go first. Mine's going to be really quick, really brief. Uh, I did not see Plan- Rise of the Planet of the Apes in theaters. I actually watched it on DVD this past week. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good movie. Um, I know some people have already said on here it's really awesome. I can't really top that. It's, it's really well told. It's got a good storyline. got a good plot. got good, good, good special effects. Uh, you believe these are actually monkeys, you know, not just Andy Serkis walking around on his hands. And... Yeah, I totally pick it up. It's on DVD right now, and I know it's really short and sweet, but Rise of the Planet of the Apes, that's my awesome thing this week. I will go with this to Justin. What is your awesome thing this week? Well, uh, I watched some uh, some fairly interesting movies that I'd like to talk about very briefly. Um, the first one is The Three Musketeers. And you may have seen the trailer for this, and it, you know, it. it, it I, I, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say right now, and if you can sway me, I'll be impressed. It looked horrible. Please sway me. <laughs> I, know, I was gonna say you've probably seen the trailer, and you've probably seen it looks completely ridiculous with you know, Milo Jovovich doing all kinds of like weird martial art moves, and you know, like airships. So I saw the trailer, and I thought this looks completely ridiculous. Now the top like. I have to watch this, so uh, I watched it last night and I enjoyed it. And it is completely ridiculous. It is completely over the top. It has, you know, it does have Mila Jovovich doing all kinds of weird like moves where she's almost matrixy, like dodging like you know poison darts or whatever she's dodging at the beginning. And yes, there are airships. Like there's a big airship battle at the end that kind of reminds me of like the battle between Enterprise and Reliant in Star Trek 2. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Oh, this is so ridiculous and over the top that I, I just, <laughs> it entertained me. Like, that's that's what I took away from it. I mean, is, if you want. Is, is Lulu a musketeer? Like, what's. She's, what's like, a, she's like a swindler, like a con artist, right? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she, she's like a, you know, she's playing both sides, you know, kind of thing. Like, okay. Um, if you're looking oh, no. for, like, a <laughs> an authentic, like, you know, adaption from book to film. <laughs> this isn't it. I mean, you know, you're the, fucked. You know, the minute you see like them doing like ninja things, you're gonna be like, okay. But then when they go to like the airships and some of the other things they do, you're like, okay. But it was entertaining, and that's what I took away from it. It's a good popcorn movie. Yeah, I mean, if you want to sit down and like have a, you know, an enjoyable action flick with you know some nice ladies and some action and stuff like that, like it's a lot of fun. And like Orlando Bloom is in it, and I, I'm not a big fan of his or anything, but he's really good as a villain. Like he was kind of like, oh, he was, he was, cool. yeah, he was, uh, he's like the bad guy. He's a Duke of Buckingham, and he's just like a scene chewing, like you know, almost like mustache trilling villain. Like he was a lot of fun to watch. On his shield as he twirls his mustache. No, sadly no. Now, we always used to make fun of uh, Lego in the in the, the second Lord of the Rings movie, The Two Towers. That we like Legolas. Legolas. Yeah, pretty much. He's like always like super <laughs> badass. Yeah. He's like, wait, why does Gilly only get like you know two orcs and Legolas is like, I killed seventeen as I slid on my shield and like shot twenty million arrows. So that we. Had, <laughs> About like you know, it'd be like, dude, Legolas, like it's like Legolas on his shield when he surfs the elephant and everything. So, yeah. well, I, I tell you this much, Justin, you have made me want to rent it. I will rent it. Check it. And if you watch it and you absolutely hate it, like I'll totally take the blame for it. Like, I made Brian watch wrestling, so I can't really say shit. The uh, the other movie I watched and this one may be of like particular interest to Derek because I know he likes Shakespeare stuff. Um, I watched Anonymous, which How was that? yeah. Well, first let me mention to those that uh, this is <laughs> Derek like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> this is um this is a movie about Roland Emmerich who does like you know, Godzilla the day after tomorrow, Independence Day, like yeah, you know, he does a lot of uh, big disaster films. Yeah, this isn't a disaster film. Like this this goes this you know movie kind of like gives you the theory that. What if Shakespeare didn't write his plays? What if someone else did? And I've never like gave that theory much serious thought. Like I think it's kind of ridiculous. But the movie was pretty enjoyable. Like I actually liked it. Um, Are there like any, a, uh, stars of note we may know, or is it kind of like a cast of unknowns? Um, I don't think there's any like. I was just curious. I didn't know yeah. if there was any big names in it or not. But, like, it was pretty enjoyable. Like, the, you know, they kind of, like, give you, like, their theory of, like, you know, who supposedly, like, wrote all these plays and everything. And it, it was a pretty fun movie. Like, I like, I like you know, stuff about history. You know, I enjoy Shakespeare. So, you know, it was fun. It was a little together. Like, I can't fault the acting or directing or or, you know, no, or anything. I know you mentioned the uh, actors. Is, is uh, Shakespeare actually in it as a character? He's he's not like a major major character with lots of screen time, but he is there. And I think it's funny the way they kind of portray him because they kind of portray him as like 
kind of a buffoon and he's like illiterate. He, <laughs> you know, is you know, as they say, forming his letters and things. But it's it was an enjoyable film. So if if you're curious about you know something like that, or or if you just want to see a film from Emmerich that's not a disaster movie, like this is this is a pretty good movie. So I like now. That. Now I'm picturing like school children going to their you know. Their, their theater class and be, man, Shakespeare didn't write that. That was <laughs> <laughs> That was anonymous. <laughs> Alan Anonymous. <laughs> um, Australian Alan Anonymous. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I said, uh, from like the fact that you actually enjoyed, it, I actually kind of want to watch Three Musketeers now. It looked horrible, but uh, I don't mind some cheese every now and then. I've, I've I've watched some bad movies and enjoyed them, so I can't say anything. Uh, I already given mine and Justin's awesome thing, so let's go to Derek. What's your awesome thing this week? So, uh, so I have some friends who are, are doing some cool stuff on television, so I think that's awesome, and that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to pimp and promote what's been going on with them lately. Um, uh, a longtime friend of mine, buddy uh, Nick Pornish, he was on uh, the latest. Well, I guess by you know by the time this airs, it won't be the latest episode. But, you know, at this point, he was on the latest episode of uh, Gossip Girl. And he's supposed to be on a couple more episodes after that. And he, you know, he sent an email about that and let me know and stuff like that. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, pimp that out because I'm happy for him that he's, uh, you know, he's doing some work out there and everything. And then um, also um, this week, uh, well, I guess I guess last a couple weeks ago, uh, Spartacus Vengeance um, premiered on Stars, and this is kind of like the second season of. Spartacus left the sand. If anybody, uh, you know, was a fan or watched that series, um, I'm not. I, I've heard a lot of good things about her. It's really awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty great series. I mean, it, it's really cool in that they. It's one of those things. Like I know sometimes I complain about green screen and, um, you know, uh, I guess sci-fi stuff disguised as drama and things like that. But I think this is this is um, this is his. This is kind of like history disguised as super cool, sexy action violence. And (laughs) it's also... History uh, Channel mixed with 300. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And and, and also, as far as the, the green screen stuff goes, I think it's very inventive. Like, like they... They do things with it that I, you know, sometimes I, I go, well, gee, that's really, I don't know, just the way they make transitions sometimes. You know, sometimes the, the pan will be on a character's face, and you'll see his expression change, and he'll move. But they use the green screen in such a way that the background totally changes and fades out, but yet the character's face is sort of still there on screen. And, like, I, you know, I just think it's, like, the, you know, a lot of the attacks, you know, it's, like, things are fast and then they're slow-mo and really cool. And I I just think it's a kind of an inventive way to do things because you'll see, like, you know, basically 12. Basically, editors are fucking gods. I, I, I just think it's very, you know, creative the way they do it. You know, like, it, it, it makes use of that 
model technology in such a great way. Whereas most times, you know, I see something like Sanctuary, I kind of vomit because it's like, oh, here's you know Sarah Jane in the back of a green screen and she's talking to somebody, but they're not in a real room. And I know they're not in a real room. Like, you know, when they fight in gladiatorial matches, like obviously they're not in a fucking, you know, you know, yeah, gladiatorial arena. You know, but the way they do the technology and use it and build partial sets and everything, it just looks really cool and everything. And and the the so the main reason why I'm sort of pimping and promoting this is another friend of mine, um, Katrina Law, is on the show, and so she's got a much bigger role uh, this season. You know, she's kind of you know Spartacus's you know woman, you know whatever for lack of a better term. But uh, she's she's gonna you know sort of I guess her character is going to grow and blossom more and you know become part of their sort of you know outcast band of warriors and everything because Bloody Sand was you know more about them being sort of you know part of the gladiatorial games and enslaved you know in the Ludus and stuff like that and this now is more about them you know they've rebelled and they're kind of on the run from the Roman soldiers and they're uh, you know Roman soldiers are you know, on the hunt for, for these escaped, um, you know, gladiators and, uh, you know, and servants. And so, uh, you know, it's got really good action and, uh, you know, and, and it definitely has the, you know, the fan service, not in a, uh, you know, Gil Everin way, but, you know, in a, in a modern day fan service kind of way, I guess. <laughs> it is an you HBO know. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's a Star's thing. So oh, there's, Star's, there's okay. Plenty of, there's plenty of, uh, you know, kind of like what you said about Stargate SG-1, you know, there's, at least on when it was on Showtime, you know, there's plenty of, uh, you know, crazy Roman debauchery and boobies and anal man-on-man sex and all kinds of, you know, craziness going on, you know. There's, I was telling you this show until you said anal man sex. I'm, now, I don't I'm, know I'm, if I want to. I'm just <laughs> there because it's funny because there's a, there's a disclaimer you know, show where it's like, this is based on, you know, there's a disclaimer like before you watch the show and, you know, this is the, based on historical, you know, such and such. And some of the things you may see, you know, depict, uh, you know, sex and violence and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's like, you know what you're in for before you, before you watch this shit. Well, yeah, uh, has got a bad name for a reason, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a good show, I think, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm basically, you know, since both my friends and everything, uh, I'm happy for their uh, continued success. So uh, you know, if you haven't checked it out, you know, please go ahead and, and check those out. So yeah, cool. And I, I, I uh, is Spartacus on his second season? Yeah, uh, there was. I guess I, uh, I think the first one is on DVD, right? Yeah, Spartacus Blood and Sand was the first season, and then they did a, uh, a prequel series called uh, God the Arena, and then now this this is like sort of the second season, which is called Vengeance. So, Yeah, totally pick up the first season on DVD, and hey, check it out in person on Star, and uh, check out Gossip Girl on CW. And by the time it's airs, you might see the rerun. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah. Cool. And that leads us to Mike. Bring us home, sir. What's some really awesome shit you've uh, encountered this week? Well, I've got a good movie to recommend. Uh, I watched uh, earlier, my roommate picked up Drive on Blu-ray uh, the other day, and we watched that, uh, and that was a good movie. Uh, with uh, Ryan Gosling, uh, Ron Perlman, uh, Brian Cranston, uh, Albert Brooks, uh, a couple other people, uh, Carrie Mulligan, and... Uh, 
some other people too, but uh, it, 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 it was a very good movie. It was a very nice and understated movie, kind of. It was very, like, subtle. Like, there wasn't a lot of dialogue. And mo- most of, like, you know, most of the scenes are, like, filmed. So, like, you know, the facial expressions and the actions, like, kind of tell the story more than dialogue. But, you know, when there is dialogue, it's good. And, you know, it was really cool. It was kind of like the transporter with, like, subtlety, almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you know, like, kicking down a door every five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, Ryan Gosling's, like, a getaway guy. So, like, you know, you hire him to, like, drive you out of, like, a, a heist and stuff. And then he gets, like... Like entangled with some other stuff and some mobsters and you know violence inevitably ensues so you know it was pretty cool though he, what do you call it? he did a very good job although it's it's funny like every time albert brooks talks in anything i i just think hank scorpio so he's just like you know you <laughs> he, like he's whenever he's a Yo. bad guy he's just like He's just like, you know, you, know, you ever see a, a guy say goodbye to a pair of shoes before? You know? <laughs> I just did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, where's that? There's uh there's uh there's Hammocks Unlimited, Betty's and Hammocks and uh Hammocks. Oh, it's in the Hammock District. <laughs> He's like, uh Eric Globovex, we don't even believe in walls. In fact, I didn't even give you my coat. <laughs> you didn't? No. He's wearing it backwards. Um yeah but, uh, yeah, but yeah, it was a good movie. Drive, drive. Yeah, I've actually heard good things about that. Actually, is is it was very uh, highly lauded by the uh, Hollywood in the know insider. So yeah, I should probably check that out too. Um, a lot of good choices for this awesome thing this week. So always good things to check out and uh, take our advice if you want. If not, we don't care. We're not here to be your dad or whatever Brian said that last time. We don't care what you think. <laughs> This is this is fan holes, not whatever you want. (laughs) Not what you guys want. This is what we want. What we white, white, and that's the way we like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm not sure how this is going to come up on the uh, block spot. But Derek, do you want to pimp out anything? Are you good right now? Uh, I think, I think hopefully by the time this airs, uh, Super should be up, uh, or all new Super Friends should be up for the history of comics on film. I'm kind of glad you mentioned that you met, you watched uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, because, spoilers, I, I use a clip from that for five seconds, and I, you know, I don't care if it's spoilers for anybody else, so go watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes before you watch my stupid history of comics on film video if you don't want spoilers for the movie, so. <laughs> nice. Um, Justin, I know you've been working on Retrovirus pretty hardcore. Is there some new stuff we should look forward to? Or I know you do, You have been working on some uh, Blogspot uh, side stories. Um, the latest video episode of Retrovirus is out, and it is Beast from Haunted Cave. And this one, like I, I myself do the narration, so if you want to hear more of my stupid voice, then you can watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I have heard your stupid voice and it is pretty pretty entertaining and funny. So I, I I do not discredit your efforts, sir. I thought it was much much enjoyable. So, um, as far as I go, um, I did this before and I won't do it again. But Brian just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I will never do Brian showing up again. Um. 
I was uh, pimping out uh, transpotting, something I'm working on, as well as a uh, show I'm working on called uh, Maroon with Cartoons. Those are not on hold, but they are going to wait till I get my tax check in so I can get the available means. So I just want to keep you guys informed on that. There's something I'm working on. They will be up when they're up. That's the best way to put it. And hopefully you look forward to that. It's uh, Transponding is a Transformers-oriented show about G1. I want to get some feedback from the other fan holes on the uh, various episodes of G1. Maroon with Cartoons is a personal project I'm working on. It's going to tie in with fan holes as far as how I'm promoting it. But it's basically me and my ridiculously stupid knowledge of really old cartoons. And I just want to let you guys know that I am working on both of those. They are not abandoned projects. I just had to get the right means to get them done and uh, have the proper materials to make sure that they are as good as I can make them on their first effort. So look forward to those coming out soon, too. So uh, Derek, he has his uh, History of Comics on Film on Blip. Justin has his uh, Retrovirus. Really good, really good stuff, too. Um, always look up for both of those. And I think that about wraps us up this week. Uh, anybody else want to throw anything out there? Besides Brian just saying yo to me? I think we're good. All right. <clears throat> and in that case, I think we're done with this uh, episode of Fan Holes. And, and I've had a lot of – I especially enjoyed the uh, illustrator topic. That was really fun. I am really psyched about looking up some of the stuff that Justin uh, recommended. But in the meantime, keep Tony. up with Fan Holes. Yeah. Tony, Yeah. this episode is over. We can all go home. And we can yeah. all go home. We can all go home. And other friends who died hair can go home. <laughs> Not only is Gambit a little sleepy, Gambit's in the corner, he's snoring, he's just passed the fuck out. So. Rogue's <laughs> kicking him with her boot. Shea, <laughs> um, why you gotta be like that? <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back the classics. Uh, I will say one thing, though, before we go. Check out uh, Fan Holes on Twitter, on Fan Holes, and, of course, check out the blog spot. We are always willing to take your uh, comments, criticisms. We have our email, which is fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Send us a little bit of feedback, and we always look forward to you listening to us and us listening to you. So send us some feedback. Let us know what we're doing right or doing wrong. Until then, we will sign off for now. I am Tony Chainclaw. What's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. Hey, it's Mike, and I am Optimus Prime. <laughs> and this is Justin Grimlock. And if I can get it in on time, Brian, say peace. Peace! <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Fandles Podcast. Timing, motherfuckers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. What's up, man? Excellent. I am Optimus